Ready? So welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me in the adventurous lifestyle. If you guys need any gear for your next adventure, running, camping, climbing, hiking, you guys name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Also, a huge thank you to Free Brewing Co., organic preservative-free beer. You'll find them at Dan Murphy's and BWS. Big black can, silver letters that say free. Organic preservative-free beer. It's a no-brainer. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so you're about to meet Forrest, who is one of the most genuine, nicest adventure lords I've met, and he's also the filmer for the hilarious Inspired Unemployed. I just love how these boys have just gone out, all adventured, and had so much fun and made something of it. Now, this story is great. It's so inspiring. Having the courage to follow your dreams and allow the experience just to take you on a journey. It gave me butterflies in my stomach and helped me commit to the adventure that I'm about to do, which is go hitchhiking on yachts up the Queensland coast, living off the island. Now, right at the end of this episode, I say a tasteless joke, but I left it in because it's a lighthearted and funny joke. But it's a reference to living out your life and your dreams when in a relationship. And my thoughts on this is that it's all about balance. Like my personal dream is to be able to go on adventures with the one that I'm with. Or at least have a space of encouragement and support to follow my dreams and also to create that space for them. Now, I think that's the core. You know, love and support and live out your wildest dreams. Now, guys, enjoy this episode and happy adventuring. Dude, dude, it's just life and I'm trying to figure it out. You know, yeah, and that's, the, we all? that's the thing. We're all like, we're going through life just fucking figuring it out. And that's the yeah. thing, like, actually, when we relate to each other and the thing about this podcast, right, it's like, okay, like, you know, I'll get, I'll get certain messages, you know, saying, oh, like, it's like someone's kind of um, validating me or saying, oh, like, I'm right with what I'm doing or thank mm. you because that inspired them or something, you know, you know or some, telling a story through the podcast. And I often think, like, fuck, I don't know shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to figure it out. You yeah. know what I mean? But you can it's see like, your like humility when you through your podcast though. When you know you you talk about the fact that like you and Rio, I love hearing you guys talk because it's like you talk about it, you know all these philosophy and concepts. But then you're like, oh well, fuck, I don't really know at the end of the day. But this is the you know yeah, and just and just constantly keeping that open mind. I really respect that. Yeah, when I have those conversations with Rio. It's literally we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. We're figuring it out as we go. We're we're bouncing ideas. And like him and I, we have conversations. Like he'll call me and we'll speak for two hours together (laughs) about like, you know, about topics, about relationships, about like things that come up, you know, childhood trauma, belief systems and stuff. And it's like we just... It's like we're just figuring it out, dissecting it. Yeah. And that's what I like. I kind of be wary of and why I say that. It's just this stuff is not gospel. I'm not saying like this is what you need to do. It's literally me just trying to figure shit out. And I'm having a conversation with someone and the two of us are trying to dissect something and figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's all about life and like, you know, we're just going through life trying to figure it out, you know? like. Yeah. And he's what's cool about him is that he's 69 years old or some shit and he's 
literally just he's like i'm just trying to figure it out you yeah. know what i mean yeah but he's like done he's done so well to figure out where he's you know yeah, like yeah. he's just done he's just for me i really inspire like i look up to him so much because Absolutely. and for me having those conversations with him grounds me so much and that's the reason why i share them because i didn't know if i should share them or or why i decided to originally i was like oh I was just like, they do so much for me and they ground me so much just dissecting these ideas and, and talking yeah. about my vulnerabilities and him coming at it from a different light. And I'm like, that grounds me and helps me out so much and helps me stay on my path and what's true to myself. Okay, then it came to this point where I'm like, it's a disjustice if I don't share it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just going to put this out. And then no, I did. So and they're good. like huge, man. Oh, man. Those episodes, and they're not adventure episodes, but then when I figured out, every person I talked to, you know, going out on an adventure, and this is why you and I are sitting here because, like, we're going to dissect like a trip that you've done. Yeah. But it's like anything. Okay, so last night you and I were talking about bouncing around ideas, Forrest. I'll do a little introduction for you before this, but I'm starting the podcast <laughs> right now. You know, you and I were talking about like taking a Kobe yacht and sailing it out some islands up north, like North Queensland, right? We're yeah. bouncing out ideas, and like to be honest, when I was having that conversation with you, I was getting butterflies in the oh, stomach, fully. right? Yeah. But it's like to go and do. A trip like that, you know, and and so that is taking a little sailing vessel that isn't for open ocean and sailing through the open ocean with some camping gear to go like camp on an island. Yeah. It's like trying to pull off something that's a bit incredible or a bit hard to do. It's not yeah. the everyday to day thing. Yeah. So it's this all adventure around it, right? And so to do anything like that and to challenge yourself and put yourself in those situations, you're gonna have all this growing experience, right? Yeah. And so constantly talking to people that are adventurers, what are they doing? What is adventure? It's doing something outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. And so like then when I have these conversations with Rio, it's like literally breaking down the psychology of that. Yeah. You know, it's breaking down people trying to figure out themselves in life, which is through adventure and it's all relative to um to each person right it's like you and i both put ourselves in fucked up situations you know sailing with our mates overseas so coming back to australia and taking a hobie cat you know offshore you know to these islands it's like to us that's like pushing our comfort zone a little bit you know and so on but it's like it's all relative to you know i i feel like you just need a you know everyone i feel like I hate. I hear about these crazy trips that people have done, or climbing Mount Everest, and you compare yourself to it, yeah, and you don't feel good. But it's just, yeah. I mean, we all know that. It's like it's just you got to remind yourself. You know, you just you just deal with uh, where you're at, and just keep keep trying to lift the bar a little bit and come it's, out of your comfort zone. Exactly. It's funny with a trip like that. It's people like, but what if it goes wrong? And I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like for some reason, it excites me. Like, yeah. we don't make it. Yeah. And someone has to get us. Imagine, just like, how, imagine how funny it's going to be if we have to get rescued. <laughs> I know. Hey, if a storm hits us, we're hanging on to yeah. it. It's like, fuck, this is so fucked. Imagine how funny it's going to be when I watch Aaron get eaten by a crocodile. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they'd get out that far, would they? Oh. Fuck. Don't I, was, I was fully Googling it today. Does Percy Islands have crocodiles? I'm so scared of crocodiles. Does, oh, man, I'm so freaking out. Okay, so, d dude, Forrest, Forrest. We're sitting here. We're sitting here because you're, 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 you know, because you're a mad dog. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm claiming that. But you know, you got, you got this sailing background, and you, you know, we shared some stories last night that you know, like, kind of related to both of us. You know, of like, you know, buying a yacht and like going on an adventure, and yeah. like, you know, you start telling me you've done something similar. And I got so excited to share your story or just don't even share to hit, sit down and hear your story because for some reason, oh, when I put 
the first like boat story up. There was three dudes that week in WA went and bought yachts. No way. It was, they were all in WA. They're like, D- I got messages going, dude, I've always wanted to do this kind yeah. of thing. And then like, you, you've done that yourself. Like, yeah, yeah but okay. that's kind of where my story starts because I've. It was such a big lesson to me. It's about like if you can see it, you can do it. And even better if you can't see it and you just you know push yourself to go and do something that you've seen no one else do. But I did the cliche of hundreds of people have done this now where they've watched YouTube videos in particular like Sailing the Vagabond. I'm sure a lot of your viewers, a lot of your listeners from the podcast have watched Sailing the Vagabond and that inspired me so much seeing this Aussie guy who hadn't really sailed before and just went and bought a boat and learnt it. Have you seen them? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. wait. Okay, yeah. So, let's let's bring it back to where your journey starts. So, it started yeah. with an idea. What, what, what were you doing? Where were you in life? Yeah. So, I grew up on the south coast of New South Wales in a sleepy little town, not, not dissimilar to Crescent where we are right now. And yeah, I grew up like being in the surf and when I was 15, a family friend convinced me to get into windsurfing and I fell in love with windsurfing and I always like, I just imagined, you know, sailing and going on adventures like that, just putting the two together, the love of, you know, traveling and, you know, I love windsurfing and, and sailing, a you know, a little windsurfer. I always knew I, I'd love it, but I- Were you always adventurous? You yeah, know what I mean? Like, adventurous. Yeah, adventurous. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, and just loved, like, I'm lucky my, my parents took me traveling when I was little, so I got the, the travel bug pretty early and yeah- yeah, I and mean, you can probably t- tell from my weird name that my parents went through a bit of a yeah, hippie, hippie phase. Yeah, when you first messaged me, I was like, "This dude's got cool parents." Uh, Dad, <laughs> um, like, uh, no, 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 for, no. Sh- for sure, they're great. Dad lived in a um in a treehouse in Angarry for two years in the seventies, and imagine how cool that would have been back Lord. in the day. I'm so jealous that those days are. You're on the range would be onto you in no time now, wouldn't they? It's like <laughs> I wonder if my dad met him. Oh, my my dad has. He's this- Rio's age. He's about he's seventy this year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. My real dad has this story in the 70s of like rocking up at Angari and he was with Nat Young's brother. It really, dad used to make wax, uh, honey surf wax and Nat was like the ambassador for it. So, they must know each other. Really? Yeah. yeah. He was telling me like rocked up and it was huge and he was like, there was no one out and his mate Bruce paddled out and he sat there smoking a joint. No, I think he was, had a tab of acid and was smoking a joint. And then started thinking his mate was going to die. And he's like, fuck, I've got to go out. And he has yeah. this story about paddling out, like no huge way. and Gary, like tripping. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> and, and, and like, I t- like when he tells me these stories, but that's just what it was in those days. It's yeah. just what we did. How incredible he's was like, that generation? You know, it's such you know what a I mean? time. But it's just like, if you did that now, said that, you're like, you're reckless. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. when, you, when you talk to like the elders, like they're like, yeah. oh, no, that's just what we did. No, no one got hurt. Yeah. No, it was just what we did. I oh, know. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, are you kidding me? I feel like, yeah, everyone in our dad's generation, you'll, you'll ask them like, what was your childhood like? And they're like, we can't believe that we survived like <laughs> like well, i think feel like every kid gets up to some mischief but i feel like they were next level <laughs> do you want some more tea um yeah how's it instead of beer it's middle of winter oh. we got the fire going downstairs and we got the tea and we're sitting oh. down for story time okay so this this starts is so it started with an idea with you so you've grown up you've always yeah. been kind of adventurous yeah. you come from a cool family yeah and right. i yeah so i just i just pictured this this sailing dream being like something so far down the track where you had to you know, for years you had to to learn and get your skills to this point and you had to have so much money behind you and all this. And then the the seed was actually planted. I met this uh, guy my age from um, from Germany. He was traveling around Australia and he just told me, he's like, oh, as soon as I get home, I'm going to save up and buy a sailboat. And I was like, oh, really? Like, you know, isn't it just too expensive? He's like, no, you can buy little ones. And like, especially in Europe, they're like half the price of Australia and all the rest. And so, I was like, oh, okay. And then not long after that, I came across Sailing La Vagabond and that was pretty early days for Sailing La Vagabond and they were doing their epic trip and like just figuring it out as they went along. And I was just like, wow, like I could do this. And I was at that time, I was about maybe 23, 24 and 
I'd been working for my mum and dad since 17, 18, managing a branch of their business. And it was great. I got to save up and do trips here and there, but I was, it was pretty big responsibility from a young age. And I was just like, so keen to just like, I'd never experienced that like gap year or freedom of, you know, went straight from high school to like working pretty hard. And yeah. Yeah. So I was just like so pumped to. Oh, so like yeah. this, so this would be your first like big overseas adventure. Yeah. I'd never lived overseas. I'd like, I'd done trips and like, I've been lucky to travel a bit, but I'd never like, I'd never just like gone for months on end, you know, yeah. not, I never like to have just like no time frame in a way, just like go and just, do, yeah. Do you remember the moment when you, when you like how you said like the decision was kind of made or yeah, like that yeah. German guy sparked it in you. Do you remember the moment yeah, and the yeah. feeling when you went, yeah. okay, I'm doing this? Yeah. I must have been feeling particularly inspired and good because uh, mum went through breast cancer actually and she she oh, came shit. through the other side really well. And we did a trip to New Zealand to go. She loves hiking. We went, went to go hiking to celebrate. And I just remember laying in, in bed before about to climb this huge this mountain outside Wanaka. Yeah, and I remember I just didn't sleep that night. I was like, I just, I'm like, oh my God, I've like saved up enough money. I can go buy a sailboat. I've got the, like the branch of the business to the point where I can just like pass it along to someone else. Like I can go do this. I was frothing so hard. I remember, yeah, Nelly getting like vertigo and Nelly fainting at the top of this mountain because I like, hadn't slept and like <laughs> done the biggest hike of my life the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that kind of, so that set the wheels in motion and that mate who I mentioned from um, Germany, he was frothing. I'm like, I didn't have any connections to sail, you know, sailboat sailing. I'd never actually been on a sailboat. And yeah. um, so I met, I called this mate and I was like, oh, are you still keen on the idea of doing this? And he was studying in the north of uh, Germany near Denmark. And he's like, yeah, fucking oath. He's like, I'll put you near to the side and come with you for a start. Like, I've only been sailing for a few weeks myself with some guys, but like, I reckon we can just do it. And he was so enthusiastic. I was just like, all right, I got no excuse. Like, so, so what was your plan? Yeah, it was what? just to, um, he was going to help me to find a boat. And uh, so we found this. So your plan was to go to Europe and then yeah. get, get your mate find a boat where was the plan yeah. in that like have you started reading books or watching videos on how to sail yeah just like so i'd been inspired by youtube and then yeah i started i was just researching as much as i could really and just like i knew to be honest windsurfing was like a massive help like everyone pretty much everyone i know who's you know legendary sailors been sailing their whole life they say you know learning on a small boat where you can really feel the littlest things like learning in a dinghy yeah. or a windsurfer or you know you can i think just the physics like understanding the physics of sailing yeah so i mean you don't have to you could go on a big sailboat and learn so i had i had that and maybe that and he he windsurfed as well actually so that gave us maybe a little bit of cockiness in a way because we were like, like a oh, leg up how, yeah. how different could it be turns out it could be pretty different but <laughs> how, it, mate it's pretty much the same you know <laughs> yeah 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 so it we set a plan and like i how much money did i have i've had maybe thirty thousand australian to spend yeah we got looking and so wait wait did you start looking in australia or did you book a flight nah, i wanted flight? to i just wanted to be do it overseas yeah <laughs> okay so okay we're gonna pull you, pull you back for a sec so what did you say to your parents i just said yeah i want to go sailing and i remember mum was was pretty horrified she's like well you better go do a course and i was like that's right i was i kind of talked up my mate julius being like he's 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 sailed before like he's going to teach me all the the holes started to show when we actually got going, but yeah, I just told them yeah that, that I was going to do it, and so Dad was froth. They were both frothing, but as you can, any mum's going to be scared to hear their their child's going to go yeah go saying without having done it before, I guess. But yeah, and so you booked a flight to where? So yeah, to to Germany. So we we actually I, bu I bought the boat before I left. So okay, he yeah, I yeah. had um I was really lucky to have him there, and he um he did driving around and finding people. So yeah, funnily enough, um we bought it on German eBay. We found the the boat and. Uh, yeah, it was actually the first one we had up short list, but it was the first one we visited and we knew it was um it was pretty perfect. <laughs> this will do. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, so when you when you first had that initial like, yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah. How long until um, you actually bought the boat? 
Probably a matter of months. It was like, it was like maybe, maybe, maybe actually six months out. I was like, I knew I was like, yes, this could really happen. Like I got, I got enough money now. Like I can, um, I can leave the business and so on. So yeah, it was kind of maybe six months out. But then when I like really committed, I remember actually it was like, um, January, January, February that we started looking serious. And then we started sailing in like May, I think it was. Wow. So proper. Yeah. You just proper committed and went for it. Yeah. And he was, he's a few years younger than me. So he was like 20 two maybe i was like 24 yeah we're pretty young i mean this is i'm only 27 now so i'm still young but yeah how's that feeling when you like i'm getting goosebumps thinking about setting off on the adventure of a lifetime yeah like going into the unknown like you you literally you've bought a boat overseas yeah and your mates over there waiting like i know this feeling i've never never bought anything worth more than like my two thousand dollar piece of shit holding commodore so sending like 30 grand overseas felt so hectic as well but yeah you you just gotta embrace it like were you like like, obviously like the excitement outweighed the fear but like yeah no 100 and there was like there was times when family friends were asking what i'm up to and stuff and i tell them oh but they're just looking at me like i was crazy like you haven't fucking sailed before like what do you yeah so there was there was definitely that side of it i i kind of knew deep i knew deep down i was gonna i was gonna love sailing so so you fly to germany yeah what happens yeah we uh, we get going straight away so we leave wait um, wait 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 and (laughs) the reason why i'm so excited about this because you're literally taking through feelings that i've had and like when you just said that like flew to germany i remembered it brought back a memory of me flying to malaysia Mm. and the boys they had been there five days before me so they had already been on the boat for five days working on the hard and i flew to langkawi they came and picked me up in a dinghy and we went out to the marina yeah and i got like that first moment of like the boat that i'd bought you know what i mean and boarding it and looking and going holy fuck like the actual moment was like we're doing this and knowing like, that's your home like, yeah, like what crazy feeling like can you yeah. do you mind taking me through that moment yeah yeah like- i was actually um so my girlfriend at the time taz um she came she'd never been to europe so she came and was traveling around europe and then she, her plan was to join me you know for like different different segments uh join julia sandai and i remember i was lucky to have her there because when we got there like this beautiful boat it's like from the 70s swedish made halberg rassi was it on the heart or in the water uh, i was in the water yeah. and um but it was just like like there was just no sheets had these like scratchy cushions like it was just not not homey at all and yeah. uh, having the having a woman's touch there i was very lucky like we went to ikea and just kitted the whole thing out and made it comfy as but i remember it's pretty small it's only like 30 foot so a lot smaller than your boat yeah so i remember i was like a little bit nervous but it is like one of the it is actually one of the more like premium if not the most premium builds a boat like yeah. spawn in scandinavia and from finland and then you know how and yeah, in Sweden. So, it's like all beautiful woodwork on the inside. Like, yeah, it is actually, it's small, but it was, it was actually beautiful. So, like, when you first climbed down in, were yeah. you just like, yeah. like, were, like optimistic or pessimistic? When you first like cli- climbed down in, were you like, holy shit, I've got some we, work to do? Or were you like, <laughs> or were you just so, like, fuck, this is sick? Like frothing, but then the, the very first night, we didn't have like proper, sh- we hadn't gone shopping. We didn't have sheets and like, there was like, like I was saying, these scratchy cushions and stuff. But we, um, you know how you have the V-berth in the front, right? Yeah. Taryn and I are staying in it. And- we didn't know. I don't know why, but we thought because it's easy to climb in head first. So we had like you know the V berth. Obviously, you have your your heads at like the, at the yeah yeah. yeah. The back so end. we climbed in. We slept the first night like head first, and I'm yeah. like, "Fuck, this is like pretty uncomfortable." Like you know, like, rubbing <laughs> up against the side of the boat. Yeah, and then we soon realised that you yeah, flip around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That that first season we had like 
I'd lined up to do this like filming job over in Europe and then Julius had to go here and there. So we ended up only sailing not that much. And that to me, in my mind, that's not really where the adventure started for me. It was like I had Julius there. He was kind of the skipper and I was, we were just kind of feeling it out. But like the moment, the, the first time we went to anchor, like he, I, I thought he'd anchored before and like we just didn't know what to do. Like we went to anchor and yeah. <laughs> so so what you'd keep in the, in the marina for, for the first little bit and just take it out and just do like day sails. Uh, just take it out for the day. Yeah, so I, I should have said that. So that's what we should have done, but we didn't. We were like, we were just stupid. Like, let's fucking sail from country to country. Like, let's just go for it. So we didn't do. I think we did one day sail at the start, and then we just went for it. So we left um, so Kiel in Germany and headed. We went went to uh, Denmark and then Sweden. Was that the? What was the plan with the boat? Like to get to get the boat, buy the boat, and then sail where? Yeah, we just wanted to like sail all around Europe and then think further afield after that. Right. Yeah. So, that's, okay. So, when you first got it, you've gone out. Yeah. And not been able to anchor. Yeah. Well, we just, it was just like, we just, I mean, it's not that, in a way, it's not that hard. Like, right. You throw the anchor over and put heaps of rope out and you're fine. But we didn't know, like, you know, that there's the ratio. Like, I mean, there's, there's no set ratio, but say, however deep the water is, seven to one or what, you know, whatever yeah. you want to follow. We just didn't know really any of that. And I just remember being so paranoid the first time worrying that we were going to like end up on the rocks or, or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Were you scared? Like when we first took our boat out of the marina, like I was so scared. There's uh, there's million dollar yachts around and yeah. we're like cruising oh, out and so it's do. like on our yacht and we're like, don't even know how to steer the thing. Oh, we're like, yeah. holy fuck. Like that, it's so scary. Yeah. Actually, I remember now that first night we anchored, I put all fenders around the, the boat because I was that paranoid. There was absolutely no reason to. Like it was so, like we would have looked like the biggest kooks in the morning when everyone else in that anchorage looked over us covered to the, yeah, armed to the teeth and fenders. But anyway. <laughs> did, did you start getting your confidence? Like where? No, nah, we were kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then, so not only a few weeks into it, Julius told me that he wanted to go back to uni at the end of that that season, and I, I, we weren't really getting that confidence. And we went out a few times when it was pretty rough, and we'd never felt the boat in like in rough conditions, and it was pretty daunting. And yeah, it was, and it was also, to be honest, like you know, a lot of people you hear a lot of people say like, as soon as they start going sailing, they fell in love with it. And what I've learned, especially from a small boat, like being somewhere where the weather's beautiful and you actually can enjoy, you know, where you are. But yeah, we were in the um, the Baltic Sea in the north of Europe and they can, even in summer, they can get weeks of cold and rain and it can be pretty miserable being on a small boat. And there's not, there's not really a cruising community. It's mostly like, you know, people who are retired and they have their boat and they kind of keep to themselves and go out. So, I was just imagining, you know, compared <laughs> to like being in the Mediterranean where you're meeting all these other cruisers yeah. and it's like sunny, you know, nine out of 10 days and, and partying, crystal clear water, water and you're going yeah. diving, jumping off the boat. So, like, what, it wasn't that good. It was kind of like a bit stressful. Like we just had some good times in between, but it wasn't like I was questioning. I, I wanted, I was going to see it through no matter what, but it was like, I was just like, fuck, this isn't actually that fun. What have I done in a way? Yeah. And so- Which is part, part of the adventure too. It's like doing that. And sometimes you need to see that. It's, yeah. it's like that story I did with man, a donkey in the Turkish desert. Well, I wasn't, wasn't sure the where you were going donkey, then for a yeah, man, a donkey in the Tur- <laughs> Turkish de- desert yeah. where my mate takes a donkey across the desert. And it was like one of the hardest trips of his life where he had like huge breakdowns and everything yeah but at, at the same at the end of it it was also amazing yeah but you know what i mean it's like that is the adventure you know like yeah that yeah it's no, like whatever totally. you go into you're gonna get an adventure yeah no absolutely it was good i remember just it, initially we actually thought like let's go up the west coast of norway and then constantly watching the weather even in summer it's like just constantly getting you know hit by gnarly storms in the north sea and you, you can yeah. do it and pick your windows but we were just like we're already getting that getting that rattled in the little Baltic Sea that we, I just thought, I remember just thinking by the end of 
it was kind of that that first season was just like a trial run. We only sailed for like wasn't that many weeks. Really. And were you what were you doing for money? Still, I had savings. I'd worked for like six, six, seven years straight, so I had yeah. a bit of savings behind me. And unsurprisingly, it burnt through it so quickly. Like it's amazing, isn't it? You can have like you can be you feel like you're pretty cashed up, and then you just go through it in no time. So pretty much what happened. Like I was getting a feel for it. Like that, I really I look back on it as like that first season. I'm really grateful to Julius. He was really the skipper in a way because he had, you know, he was the more experienced one, and I was kind of there, you know, learning what I could. So I see that as just kind of being on someone's boat and you know getting a bit of a feel for it. Do you think he was at the time not having much experience? He was stressed out as well. Like, yeah, definitely. You know, having and like your, your soul to yeah, his I, hands? I think so, understandably, because I'm like I would turn to him with all these questions, and he'd probably sometimes feel bad he didn't you know he didn't know because i'm putting the i'm putting the pressure on him all the time being like oh what about this what about this what about this and he knew heaps he did really well like we had like this you know 50 year old volvo engine and we um, had to replace the starter motor ourselves and just which yeah and on this old engine it was actually pretty tricky and just even like just fixing stuff he was great he killed it and he knew he knew the foundations of sailing and like yeah like i'm really lucky i had him to um to at least get going but in, in a way, it wasn't as rewarding though because it was like, you know, you had someone else there kind of like doing the key stuff. So, anyway, I got a bit of a feel for it and then I had to decide. I was like, you know, he didn't, he wasn't going to come the next season. I was all by myself and I still didn't feel that confident. Yeah, I had to decide. I'm like, you know, should I just go ahead with it or not? And I was like, fuck it. I just want to send it and try and sail, yeah, all the way from Scandinavia and just make it somewhere beautiful and warm and get close to Africa and the Mediterranean and Spain and so on. So, wow, yeah, I've I've thought about that because one of my dreams is to is to you know like buy a boat when I've got a family one day. You know, if, if that ever happens, to to take them sailing. And I often think because I've never been that guy that's had to stand up and be the skipper. Yeah. And so, I It's such I a always, different experience. Yeah. It's crazy. And I always hide behind the skipper. You, yeah. You get what I mean? Oh, like yeah, that. It's totally. like, I don't have to know too much. Absolutely. I can trim the sails. I can do this. I can yeah, do my watch. Yeah. I can get us from here to there. If any problem, yeah. boom, I don't have to really know. I can wake them up. Absolutely. And I've thought about that a lot is that I'm going to have to step up. And, I, and it's that same fear. Yeah. I'm like, well, there's so much to sailing. Yeah. Like, oh my God. And then it's just like- but it's that whole thing, like all oh, other people have done. It's like, and I know one day I'm going to have to step up. Yeah. But I'm so scared for that day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you you've had this day. Yeah. And I was I was stressing about him, like, is it irresponsible if I go and do it? I still haven't done any courses. I should have just, in hindsight, you know, done done courses in between. But to be honest, I have I probably had this, you know, almost like an ego thing where I'm like, no, I want to like go and figure it out by myself mm. and do what Riley did with Sailing the Vagabond and so on. But they shouldn't, it's silly. Like that's, I don't look back on that that cool because I think, you know, you shouldn't have, You should, it's it's just going, you're going to have more fun if you're feeling confident, you know, yeah. and that. And so what actually, so what, what ended up happening, I came back, I'm like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, my boat was in Sweden then at the time. We had it pulled out of the water. So, and So you're going to sail it by yourself. Did you plan to try to get anyone to help you? Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't. I knew it would be stupid to do single-handed stuff, and I just thought if I can get any friends or family friends who are, you know traveling around Europe that summer uh, to come join me, then that's what I'll do. And so the first bit was hard because it was kind of like April, May, like pretty early, and I couldn't find anyone, and I was freaking out. And then I was talking to my cousin, who's a bit older than me and has kids more similar to my age. They're from Byron, and they were like, they're like, oh yeah, Jared. He's just finished high school. He's gone to Europe with his mate. He's like, they'd go sailing with you. So I um I wrote these 
pour two grommets um, into the first month of sailing in like the most miserable part of the whole trip. Had them working um, working on the boat with me in the yard for a few weeks, like sanding and just like the most horrible work. Like, I, you know what boat yeah, work's like. Yeah. It sucks. Like, and it was freezing, like cracking ice off the boat, like, you, you know, in this- Proper oh, grom abuse. Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> so, credit to them for, um, they never complained and they, uh, yeah, they got through it. And um, yeah, so they, but that, so that it started and the goal straight away was just to like make it from Sweden and just by the end of the season, like end up in beautiful, like sunny France and Spain and, you know, and, and all that. And so, yeah, it, it started. The, the funny actually thing was that I was working on the boat, like doing just, you know, all the fundamental things to like get it ready. And just, uh, it was a really nice family who owned the, the yard there. So, I was just, I had no idea. I'd never worked on boats before. So, they they were really cool with like giving me advice and, and help and stuff. But yeah, basically what happened was the guy who owned the, sh- the yard, he's like, hey, like if you've got a bit of time to work on your boat, it's nearly 50 years old. And we recommend like every 50 years, you know, you should sand the boat back to the gel coat and then do like, you know, three to five layers of epoxy two pack and you know you've just like sealed the hole for another 50 years sort of thing and so I was, did he say how big of a job that would yeah be? and so he he's like and he was a really good work you know like you mm. can just tell but he, he's like hey like i can do it in um in two days um and his english was like you know a bit on and off and um and i'm like fuck two days all right like maybe it'll take me you know double that or something yeah. and so two weeks later i dead set never worked harder in my life I was just sanding with a random orbital, like 40 grit, and it was just so hard. Like, I could not, like, there were so many layers to get through um, of primer and all this to get to the, the gel coat. And then he, the fucked up thing was he he goes, yeah, like, this is what you need to do. Like, go go for it. I'm actually going away for a few weeks now. So, he comes back at the end and I'm still, like, got a quarter left. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I just remembered, like, not remembered. He goes, I forgot to tell you or explain to you. He goes, I do it with actually, like, an angle grinder really delicately. And then you can just tear through all these layers to, you know, to get through. <laughs> so, I was using this fucking, like, it was so, such hard work. Like, yeah. you know, 12, 14 hour days, like, working into, because I had, I had to get, as soon as I started, I couldn't stop. Like once yeah. I'd t- torn through a part of the boat, you know. Yeah, yeah, you've got to do yeah. it. Yeah, and then the grums came for the last part um, and helped me. But Did it you was, end up going oh, to the angle grinder and just like swearing yeah, yeah, his yeah. name? Oh, seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So- and so, and then at the end, I, I like, yeah, and it was so quick as soon as you had the angle grinder. Scary because you could tear through the boat if you weren't careful. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, um, <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Oh so, my God, that yeah. is so funny. When someone comes up and they're like, oh, you do know this way is easier. And you're like, <laughs> fuck. I know. You're telling me now. <laughs> oh, no. But it was an amazing feeling to like see it like, yeah, with the epoxy on like looking looking really good shape and yeah. yeah. And knowing you've done it. Yeah. And, um, and it was really manageable because the, the boat was only 30 foot. Like everyone I know has got like 40, 46 foot boats. It's just so much more work. Having a 30 yeah. foot hull to work on was pretty manageable. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. You put in, so this is on the hard. You've done all this. Yeah. And you put it into the water. Are you are you worried like because it's taken a few weeks? Are you, are you trying to beat the winter as well? Oh no! So so this is like this is like April May. So so it's coming into summer. Yeah yeah yeah. Like the European sailing season, everyone's had their boats mm-hmm. out of the water because there's all ice, you know, in winter and yeah. in the ocean, even there and everything. So, but I just couldn't believe like I'd only been in Sweden the previous year in the middle of summer. It was beautiful, and coming back in spring, it was like they were still getting these cold snaps. When we were trying to put the mast on the boat, it started snowing. Like there was just constantly storms coming through and I was just I was just getting so rattled knowing that I was that, like it was this was it like I was the skipper like I'm, I'm responsible as well for like my two you know mates so it yeah it felt pretty daunting I waited for like the first sail was actually a crossing from um from Sweden to Denmark 
And oh. yeah, and so I waited like for the perfect forecast and got going at like, I think we left at like three o'clock in the morning so we could make it there by sunset or something. And it started good. And then- What was that like coming out? Were the groms frothing when you first, you know, you're yeah, first really setting good. off, you're like, yeah, we're yeah. doing this. It was really good. Yeah. It was sick. So, we, we got going. I couldn't believe it. There was, uh, I'd, I'd torn, like I'd gone through every forecast I could to, you know, to make sure it was looking good. It's forecast to be sunny, all the rest. Anyway, ended up having just this fog, like so much fog, all the way from Copenhagen up to where we were is fog. They have this big uh, traffic separation scheme, like where the big, you know- Big um, tankers. Yeah, big tankers have got to go through and everything. So, I'd had the choice whether to spend like an extra few thousand euros and get like the, um, you know, it's called AIS. Did you have AIS? So, it's basically so you can see, you can see on a map, you know, your boat and other boats. Yeah, like the the beeper? Uh, Not a radar, but like- Not a radar. I actually don't know how it works that well, but it's- yeah, it's like, nah, I think radar is one thing and then AIS is- We yeah. had radar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know if it worked properly either. I still don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so far, man, it must be like me, like like our boat was a like like a really seaworthy boat and I'll be like in a marina and like yeah. people just come up like, oh, it must be like a good stay. And I'm like, yeah. start talking to me lingo and I'm like- yeah. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I don't. I know. Yeah. Like, I know the the basic names. Yeah. Sail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, so I think, yeah, like getting into, I think realistically, that's one of the most dangerous things that can happen is being in, uh, in fog. And even if you do have AIS, there's, you know, plenty of boats that don't have it. So there's no guarantee that you can see everyone. And, so we we slowed down where we could, and it got really thick. And I could see on the GPS chart plotter like we were getting towards this TSS where these huge you know tankers are just like going like a freeway back and forth. And luckily it cleared a little bit, but I just remember that approaching it and just seeing this tanker like appear out of the fog, and just shitting like it was fine. Like we could I could I could wait and you know and, mm. and go like it was just enough visibility. Like maybe if you know, 100, 200 meters or were something. Were you sailing or just using your engine? Yeah, we were sailing. But oh, I had yeah but with the I think at that point I had the engine as obviously as a backup. Like yeah, you know yeah. Anyway, but it turned out we found so we made it like all good. We found out that night the the ferry that goes from just near Copenhagen at like just a little short stretch of water there between Sweden and, and Denmark. The sailboat was going through and this high-speed ferry just like T-boned the sailboat and just like ripped it in half. Like it was- yeah. From the fog. Yeah, it was really rare, like gnarly fog. So, it was kind of- It was to have that omen at the start of the trip was pretty rattling. But yeah. how did How did you feel, especially like going into that and like, how did you feel being a skipper with two other souls on board? Like, did it, would, it, would yeah. it change the decisions that you would make? I just feel way more confident going into it now. No, but like having them on, like you know, if it was just yourself, you know, like knowing, like, w- like when you're making these decisions, like going into the fog, or like I don't know, are you, are you thinking, going like, shit, I got these two other guys, yeah, like, yeah, because gotta- in, in a way it was worse because it's like you're you're not having to just worry about yourself, you're having to worry about them as well. Mm. I mean, the biggest thing is just like, yeah, you can you can take turns, you know, being on the. Oh, we we actually just had a, a tiller. <laughs> we didn't yeah. even have a steering wheel. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you can if the, if it's if it's the seas are too rough for the um for our little tiller autopilot. You know, we could take turns. Um. And then coming into the marina, it obviously helps a lot having people to uh, up the front to to push it off. Stop off yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, I remember thinking that. I remember yeah thinking it was almost a little bit of extra stress having you know two people there who hadn't sailed before. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this is I. Yeah, this story is like what not to do, really. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't recommend. And I remember actually 
halfway through my trip hearing this interview with Riley from Sailing the Vagabond and he's like, I've never actually thought about it, but the question of like, would I recommend doing it my way? To be honest, I wouldn't, you know? So, it's like, yeah, yeah it's it wasn't as the smart way to do it, but yeah, this was the story anyway. Uh, it's quite interesting what you said before. It's like, you know, you would have had more fun if you learned yeah. more, you know? And yeah. I, was th- I was thinking about that, like with some of the stuff that I've done where I've just been just fearing so much and so scared just because I just don't know. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like my skill so it's not, level's not up to yeah. it. And I'm so like, it's, shit. It's so good to like, you know, true adventures like pushing your threshold, right? But mm. you can push it too far, obviously. Yeah. And- I, it got it got said to me once. It's like, oh, you know, it's been said to me heaps actually. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you don't go zero from zero to hero. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just pushing it enough to be out of your comfort zone. So, it's adventure. But if you- yeah. It's like the road to adventure is- on the left is normality and on the right, like you, you it's a tightrope and on yeah. the right is sudden death. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't push it too much that you're going to kill yourself, but you just push it a bit that it's an adventure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then and you, you can get keep comfort. pushing and pushing, pushing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, the cool thing about this was like, had, and I'm sure with you as well, like you end up having all this incredible sailing, diverse sailing experience in it and you learn, you're learning a lot all the time, you know, like you're figuring stuff out and learning a lot. So, while other people could be doing courses kind of like here and there or going weekend sailing with their friends whatever, for years, you're learning a lot in like, you know, in you one massive to. season. Yeah, exactly. you have to. So, yeah. so, you've made it through the fog. You've got the two groms. You've yeah. made it to Denmark. Yeah. Is, it, is that a confidence boost or yeah. is it more rattling? Yeah. So, we um we make it to this sleepy little town and then the goal was we had one more sail um, down the coast to make it to Aarhus, the second biggest, you know, city in Denmark. And we had, we had a mate who was studying there. So I was so excited to get there and I I wanted to um you know the poor boys had just we'd been in these like little you know towns and the boys had been working on the boat and they weren't having that much fun really so I wanted to get to this like it's this big uni town they could go out partying and have fun so we're almost getting excited like we're not far away and then the engine I'd always been so <laughs> nervous about the the engine like this 50 year old you know yeah. uh, Volvo engine and I don't know why, but I, I, it doesn't have an alarm if the if it gets too hot. But I just checked how, how hot the temperature was, and I saw it was like off the Richter. And I pulled the um the engine bay up, and there's just steam going everywhere. And I quickly turned the engine off, and I'm just like in shock. I can't believe it. And then suddenly, where oh, at that time we were motor sailing, so suddenly. I'd never felt that vulnerability of just knowing, like, we're in the ocean and we don't have a and then an engine anymore. Yeah, and you're only on sail. Yeah, and obviously, like, we're planning to sail most of the time, but you're relying on the engine to get into, you know, in to and out of marinas and, and where there's no wind. And, and yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we quickly, luckily, we're in a not too bad of a place. I could get, the wind was offshore and I could get into a little cove and um, an anchor and figure out what to do. And so I called, I just had the engine service. So I called the marina. I'm like, hey, what the fuck's going on there? You know, we've just serviced the engine and it just nearly blown up. They were really cool. We went through, like, he on FaceTime, he just like helped me. I, I had no mechanical background, unfortunately. It would have been probably smart to do a diesel mechanics <laughs> course as well. So they were really cool. They helped me go through everything, troubleshoot everything. And um, it was just an anomaly in the end. We think maybe because the engine was, you know, so old and it had been sitting for the winter that there was like a, a blockage, you know, somewhere in the cooling system. And yeah. it got, and when we yeah, fired the engine back up and it never overheated again, but it just, for that whole next six months sailing from the, you know, top to Europe to the bottom, I was just so anxious all the time thinking that the engine was going to blow up at any point. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't, and I knew actually, and if it did blow up, um, I guess, you know, you can, you can just put like a little, you know, an outboard on the back. And just to help you to get in and out of marinas. But I knew I wouldn't be able to afford like like 20 grand, like 10 to 20, you know, grand to put like a proper new marine diesel engine in there. So, 
that almost felt like a trip ender. When that and the engine nearly blew up, I thought that was almost the end of the trip. Because yeah. you kind of, especially I feel like when you're, you know, when you're at those early days, you can rely on the engine a little bit to be more conservative and go, you know, on days when the wind's not as gnarly and rely, if it drops out, then rely, you know, on the engine. Yeah. So that whole trip we ended up, you know, if you were hardcore, you could have gone a lot gnarlier days and sailed 100% of the time, whereas we sailed probably only like 60, 70% of the time and we relied on the engine a bit. Yeah. Yeah. With you, with the the anxiety, like when this is this is happening, yeah. where's your headspace? Are you thinking like, you, you know, you know, another blow, another blow? Like I, mm. I saw there was a guy um, in the marina in Malaysia. He bought this old yacht and it was just too much work. Yeah, and he just he actually like killed himself. Like no way. Fixing it, like trying trying to. It was, he was an old guy. He was like eighty years old, and he bought this boat and he wanted to fix it up. And he spent like three Far years on out. it. Didn't really get anywhere. Ended up with cancer. Just went down. It just went down. And he was lonely. It, it was so sad. It was actually so sad. Oh, he just went. Heavy. Yeah, and then um, because it can be like an incredible, like a ridiculous amount of work. We were. Yeah. I didn't mention we were really lucky. My boat was so well set up. They just put like all brand new, you know, chart plotters and and like Windex. Like yeah, everything was just like set up really modern. It's so lovely. And, and and the fact that it was smaller and everything was simple. We didn't have electronic pumps. We just had like you know foot pump to get, which I loved, like for the water, like a yeah. little foot pedal. So there was so much less maintenance to a to a normal like to a bigger you know boat or one that just hasn't been as loved. How many bursts? Like like. Uh, yeah, Being thirty foot. You had the V berth at the at the front, but where did the yeah. boys sleep? Yeah, then you've got so like in the middle of the in the you know the main cabin of the saloon, you've got like a table in the middle, and then yeah. the two seats facing each other. Yeah, they you can lift up the back of the seat, both those seats, and then you've got like a single size bed there. So it was actually it was actually really comfortable. And then you could collapse the table, turn that into a double bed. Yeah, and then there was actually behind the. On the starboard side, behind the navigation desk, there was like another little like a single bed berth. there, but that ended up just getting filled with surfboards and um, yeah. and weddies and stuff like that. So it actually advertises two, four, six, but yeah, it was super kind. Of like three ended up, especially if you like, everyone had so many bags from traveling and like mm. yeah, it ended up like three or four was like was like ideal, yeah, or a couple, yeah. So did you end up getting giving these poor groms a good time? Yeah, the first night was so sick. They went out and and had like yeah one of the best nights ever. So that was that was a really cool feeling to yeah to get the engine going again. Made it in on sunset into Aarhus, epic marina. Like that's one of the coolest things about sailing is that you can go to places. Um, like the best example was we went later in the trip. Went to San Sebastian. Just quickly fast forward. And I remember mates had been there previously in their vans and they had to park like K's and K's basically out of the city center if they wanted to stay in their vans and and trek it in. Whereas in the sailboat, it was like 10, 15 euros a night between, you know, four people. And then you could just, you, we were like right in the old town in this marina. Like you could just like step off like right into the center of the old town where it was all happening. And so oh. same with Aarhus, just being like right in the city, so cheap, maybe 20 euros a night split between three of us, um, had all the facilities there, hot showers and all the rest. Yeah, that was that was a really cool moment to just kind of feel like the trip was um, was starting to become enjoyable. Did you, well, what was it like going from like country to country or town to town with the language barrier? Yeah, so like as you as you know, like Scandinavia is pretty good, but then things deteriorated pretty badly as we got further south, like towards France and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like- yeah. So from there, I'll try and I'll just try and pick the eventful moments where this will get it'll take too long, I guess. But from there, you head south, and we had to go through the, the busiest canal in the world, actually the the Kiel Canal, back to actually where I started. But I'd never gone through. So this canal joins the North Sea and the Baltic Sea. 
that was sort of like the point of no return. I could have just like hung up in the north where it was a bit more safe in this, you know, this sea, in the Baltic Sea. But it was like, I was just like, I knew I would just sell the boat if I didn't make it to somewhere warm and enjoyable and exciting. So, yeah, yeah so we, we made it through this canal. It was pretty nerve wracking. You've got these massive ships, you know, going through this canal with you and all the rest. Are these we, groms um, still with you? Yeah, they're still with me. Their, their plan was to make it to Amsterdam and then we'd have a crew change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're still in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we, we made it through. And then just the feeling though, this was like, this was when I was by far the most nervous was making it. Now you're in the North Sea. And, you know, if, you, if you're in a section, you know, of a, of a country where you can do small trips and there's, there's constantly marinas and safe havens along the way. But the start of this North Sea passage is actually really tricky and quite yeah, it's got a bad reputation because it's uh, yeah heavily tidal. So you come out the River Elba from Hamburg, and they got big tides. You know, massive like some of the most concentrated amount of um, shipping. All the shipping that goes to Russia and all the Scandinavian countries all gets funneled through this river and all the rest. And they get like five knot currents, and the boat can only motor you know four or five knots. So Shit. so it was really coming from the Baltic Sea. So it hasn't got any tides, and coming out into this murky like industrial massive currents like I was and I'd never sailed anywhere that was tidal so I was I was absolutely shitting myself but you know same as with you I'm sure like I grew up surfing and windsurfing and it's not rocket science really you know you understand how how tides work they go up and they go down you know what time it is like you know find out whether it's an hour or two hours sometimes that rivers are like you know delayed and all the rest yeah so we, we did just about like pretty much a lot of things right but in the time you're questioning yourself because you don't have anyone you don't have a i didn't have her you know someone to turn to and be like so you know is this yeah what do you right? think what do you think yeah, yeah. so it was so nerve-wracking yeah so this anyway this part so you leave you come out the river elba and you've got this massive stretch of just like treacherous sandbars all the way to to the netherlands and pretty much almost to amsterdam there's basically there's there's one or two spots, Nordendy and Norderley and uh, Borkham. I'm sure I've just butchered the names. But anyway, you can. there's one or two spots you can get into on high tide. But there, it takes like, it's like a uh, 48-hour passage or something. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a long way. Like, if you look on the map, it's a whole corner of, um, you yeah. know, of Netherlands yeah. And, yeah, and Europe in a way. So, I was really nervous about this. We waited more than a week for a, a weather window. So, I tried to, with the lack of experience, like, I was constantly falling back on just being really like yeah safe with with weather windows obviously well, you can only the forecast is only a forecast but you know that i think it would have been significantly more irresponsible if we were just like not being careful yeah, about when we're heading out what were you doing when you're waiting waiting for the weather window yeah so this <laughs> this we ended up in this really crappy town waiting for a week i actually i felt so bad for the boys i'm like hey you should just catch the train to hamburg and or Ber- no berlin i think they went they just went for like yeah, a big section of that time. And I just, I was by myself on the boat, like just planning, analyzing the forecast, ready to message and be like, all right, quick, get back here. Like, let's go. And it wasn't, it wasn't that fun. Like, yeah, I was, yeah. I was, yeah, it wasn't, um, it wasn't the dream. It's also part of being the, the captain, I suppose, too, being stuck, like yeah. waiting on the boat, waiting for the, the windows, like all yeah. that responsibility. Yeah. I went skating a lot that week. I had a skateboard, so I was basically just skating around the car park in the marina and just waiting. Yeah. And not having that much money, I suppose, as well. So, yeah. just going out and partying. And I suppose actually, got cheap wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, actually, that was another thing um, I'd heard that, the they were so ruthless the coast guard there that 
if you fucked up, like, you know, you didn't tr- um, cross the traffic separation scheme properly or anything like that, they can just, they come out with the, like, on the spot in these, you know, big police cutter boats and um, and just, they just find you, like, ruthlessly on the spot. Thousands and thousands of euros, like, on the spot. Like, so it's it's just, it's gnarly. So I was nervous about that. I'm like, if I, if I, you know, if I could, if I suddenly just start getting, you know, getting billed thousands of euros, like that could be a tripender. Like I was burning through money pretty quick. Yeah. Anyway, so we we went we went for the we found the weather window and it ended up. I should not have been as nervous. We found a, a beautiful day with like it was sunny, light wind. It did not look like the North Sea. It was beautiful. Like yeah, yeah. champagne sailing. But um, actually, at the start of that trip, it was a really embarrassing moment. So we'd been in this fucked up little town. So keen to get out of there. We leave with the tide. You know, the tide's just funneling out of this river and it spits you out into the North Sea and then, you, you know, you turn down the coast. But as you're coming out the river, you've got, yeah, these huge ships coming through this narrow, you know, this river just like chewing back and forth. And the um, the lady in the marina had said, she goes, if you're careful, you can just stay on the on the southern side of the traffic separation scheme, even though you're supposed to always pass, you know, you should be on the right. But if you just yeah. stay like well out of it on the left, she said, you got to be careful because the sand just goes, it goes straight to like really shallow sand. But if you just stay, stick there, you'll be okay. And so, we leave on sunrise. The boys help me get going and then it's pretty cruisy. So, I'm like, you guys can go back to bed. It's like, you know, four or five in the morning. And we're... And I remember we're flying because it was like a five knot current and we're motoring. So, we're going nearly 10 knots, really? you know, heading heading <laughs> yeah. out to sea. And um, and I can see this huge tanker like coming towards us, but it's, it's, you know, it's well away at this stage. And I can't remember what I was doing. I was messing around with something. And I think just because there was so much current, the autopilot just kind of wigged out. And in a matter of like 10 seconds where I wasn't paying attention, we'd, we'd diverted just straight into the middle of the traffic separation scheme. And I wasn't paying super close attention because I knew there were no boats in range, right? Like they were all, they were, yeah, they were well enough away that it was, we were not going to go like straight under but Can a you boat. get fined for that? Yeah. And so, and so what ended up happening was I realized and I'm just going, holy shit, like this looks so bad. I'm look, like I literally am playing chicken with like a, a tanker, you know, like going at like 10 knots down this down the river Elba and um, anyway and I'm just like mortified that this has just happened and I, I turn back um, out of it in our little channel like outside of it but it looks bad because really you know you should be on the on the right hand side because you part you know ships are everywhere around the world you pass you know on the right anyway and when I'm, <laughs> I'm on the the left but out anyway outside of the zone but this 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 tanker comes past and I I can picture it so clearly this this it looked like a classic captain like the you know like the Europeans, sweater yeah, with like ca- a collared shirt like captain's hat like very you know proper looking and he walks out onto the bridge of this ship and just looks down at me right as we're passing each other and just like puts his hand up in the air like what the fuck are you doing and <laughs> oh, no. and, and i just remember like like i just remember thinking like he's going to radio the coast guard and they're yeah. going to come and just fuck me up like i i was just so it was the worst way to start this massive you know 48 hour through the north sea like yeah. I, it just rattled me and I was just I'm like so I was like just gestured I'm like sorry I'm like tried to point like I'm going to cut across so I don't have to you know, the whole idea was to not cross the traffic separation scheme at all yeah. but I ended up just completely fucking up <laughs> and so we got through that day ended up actually being beautiful sailing things got better after a few hours I realized the coast guard wasn't going to come and hunt me down we um we make the stop and then that night there's this like horrific thunderstorm we're waiting for the like I just remember being so rattled, like the heavy rain, the, the lightning, and I'm just thinking like, this is. I just remember being so nervous because this next passage was even bigger, 
Uh, but anyway, so we, we wait a day for had, better had weather you, window. Had you sailed in any storms? No, we sailed like, when it had so, been rough, but not like, you know. So, yeah, because you're picking all the weather windows, you're like. Yeah, we sailed, but the previous year, Julius and I got tangled up in like pretty rough stuff, but not like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And so, anyway, so yeah, like we wait a day and this one I was really nervous for and we had to, with the tide, so this was, it gets really tricky because like I remember not long after meeting a couple from the Netherlands who had sailed around the world and they're like, this is, this stretch of coast is the hardest place we've sailed ever because the, the currents and the tides is pretty complicated. So, we, um, I, it was really tricky to, what happens is there's this current that goes up the coast of the Netherlands in a rhythm and then you're also going through entrances where the tide's coming in and out. So, to time it all properly was like quite challenging. So, it turned out we had to leave the next night at 10 o'clock at night, like just as it was getting dark because we're so far north here. It's like you can still, there's a bit of a glow on the horizon at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Anyway, so, we we leave and it's, yeah, it's it's beautiful still night, but I just, rem- I can just see there's like just so many lights on the horizon of all these massive tankers and and all the rest and we're coming out and i remember being so nervous that i actually went to the side of the boat and i like nelly I, yeah i thought i was going to spew over the side but i just dry retched over the side because i was so just anxious from nerves, not- yeah yeah i was just so anxious i just this was a yeah this was going to take like a day and a half i knew that like if the engine cut out and then potentially the net there was just constantly heavy weather coming through every you know three or four days so if we got caught out and it was glassy and then the storm hits i was just really nervous and then so, sure, are you, at this point, are you having fun with it? No, nah, yeah. no. Nah. Like, but I'm like, just, I'm just, I'm so adamant that I, I know if I just keep pushing, I'm going to learn, and I'm, yeah. And when again, we're going to get further south, where it's I'm biting warm my nails. And, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so sh- I couldn't believe the timing. As soon as I've committed to like coming out this marina, and we're like again getting sucked out, like you know. Um, a cork getting shot out, you know, into, into the ocean with this with this really strong current. Like you I couldn't, even if I wanted to, you couldn't spin around. The current was that strong, you couldn't go back. Like yeah. once you you kind of had to commit. And so we committed, and I just see the the navigation lights, which are the red and green lights, are super important for sailing at night on the bow of the boat. And we don't have ones on the mast; they're just on the bow. They, I just see them flicker and just go out, <gasps> and they've no. just the navigation lights are just gone. And sure, of course, like I've since learned that you should always have a backup pair, even if they're just battery powered for situations such as this. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, great. It's like just getting dark. I'm about to travel, you know, through some of like busiest waters in Europe for, you know, big tankers and all the rest. Yeah. And sure enough, we get out and there's this, I don't know what what kind of boat it was, but it was this massive boat. I don't know if it had been doing dredging or what, but- I put my mast uh, anchor light on, on the tip of the mast. It just, I just, everything I could to sh- make as visible, I did, obviously. But I remember, yeah, this boat was, we were, we were going to be crossing each other. So, I, I made it really clear, you know, the direction I was going and, and went off course a bit to, to give us plenty of room. And I think he must have, like, he's just seen this boat without navigation lights and he's gone, oh, I want to see what the fuck's going on here. Like, is this... And it also been, like, you know, people were getting smuggled into um, Denmark and the UK you know, on boats at that time as well. So, I don't know, maybe he was like seen for like a sus boat. But anyway, so he, but he just, I think it was kind of a dick move because it scared the shit out of me. I would, I would turn my, change my course to get away from him. And he just kept turning and like this tanker would just keep turning and turning and turning to like, and I'm like, holy shit, he's not seeing me. Like, but in hindsight, I think it was, 
was, he just wanted to come past me quite close to see, you know, what I was. And but I just remember just feeling like I was, you know, or, just getting chased by this. Maybe boat. some old sailor that like his pet hate is like people not having their navigation oh, lights yeah. on, and he's just like, "Fuck this! That's it! That's yeah. it! I'm showing this guy." Just oh like- man, perhaps, yeah, yeah. So that happened, and then it was a really one of the most special moments of the whole trip. Actually, the wind was supposed to fill in kind of around sunrise. So we were just motoring at this point. It was just this beautiful, there'd been the, you know, the big thunderstorm beforehand. And, you know, when it's rained, like the air's so clear, you can see the stars. Yeah. It was dead glass. My nerves were starting to set a little bit. And then I just, we just hit this massive patch of, what is it called? Like bioluminescence of, yeah. yeah, in the water. And I'd seen it before at home, like here and there, but this was like insane, like just so bright. And um, it was just incredible because the, it was so glassy that the stars were were mirrored on the on the ocean, right? So it was like oh, you yeah. felt like you were in space, like floating through space because it's completely glassy. The stars are you know mirrored, and then there's like where the propellers you know churning the water out the back. It was just this bright green like comic jet coming out the back of the the boat, and and then also like the, these fading waves where the the waves would hit the bow, you know the not waves would hit the bow, but where the, the water would push away from the boat, yeah. you know, the, the wake, uh, the wake is the word, yeah. where the wake would come off. It was just these like fading, you know, green yeah. lights just like fading out. And it was just like such a kind of surreal cosmic experience. No, no, that's like your, your, your that's your, your moment. That was your yeah. moment of thing, things coming together, realizing like seeing the magic, yeah. you know what I mean? Like something, yeah. okay, it's, it's like let's get deep about it or spiritual about it. It's like the yeah. universe has just given you that gift. You've just worked so hard. Yeah. And now it's like saying like, look, here it is. Like this is it, it all here, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, perhaps I kind of look back on it as that being the turning point, actually, because um, yeah, sure enough, then the as sunrise came up, the boys are sleeping. Um, the wind filled in, had like a beautiful sail for like through that whole day, and made it there again right on sunset. Timed all the currents and the tides perfectly, and from there on, things just got that was the that was the gnarliest leg in a way of the whole trip. Yeah, because it was just, there was no safe havens. Like if you got caught, you couldn't, there was basically nowhere to go get into. You had to sail a significant way to get to anywhere. Yeah, that was that. And then I guess we'll fast forward, had a good time in, in Amsterdam. That's where I say so, goodbye to the boys. So, so now has the trip gone to a point where like your confidence is building and now it's like, yeah. now it's like, Hey guys, like I can sail this boat, I can do this. And what are you telling your mates back home? Like, come come do passages with me. Yeah, exactly. So I'm telling them, that's it. And I've been in touch with, yeah, my mates, some, a whole bunch of them had just done a snowboard season in, uh, in France and they were still traveling around Europe. And so I'd locked in for two of them, Falcon and Billy. So Falcon, um, who I work for now, who does the Inspired Unemployed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Really, you can imagine, um, yeah, traveling with him was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, I was so I was looking forward to having yeah my two of my best mates come on later in the trip. I had that to look forward to. And because you'd grown up with them, wait, were you nervous? Because like, okay, if I was picking up mates that I grew up with, I I would want to have my shit together because they would not let me live it down. <laughs> I would have picked them up and yeah. I like, couldn't sail. Yeah, like it'd just be no, it would it would just be so yeah. so fun. But like, I, I kind of feel like you've you've done the hard yards and then yeah, you, you kind of like it's it's in a way it's like you timed it perfect. You got the groms on yeah, yeah. the hard oh, bit, totally. you know the and full I made raw, so many mistakes. Yeah, and figuring it out and now it's like oh yeah, the boys are coming on. Yeah, dude, I can't like. 
the stories like this, and I hope that the, the listeners, like the, this raw adventure, like you're at sea, like I've said it before, like sailing for me is like some of the rawest adventuring you can do because it's just like you're at the whim to the elements. Like what was it for you coming from, say, society, like where you can get in a car and go somewhere to being at the whim of nature, like yeah. learning that was like. Yeah, just well, the fact that you're, you're completely kind of in, well, everything's dependent on the weather. So you're. Yeah, your every your day when you when you go to sleep, when you get up, when you travel is like all you know to do, is nature really. So I thought that was kind of cool. Is to everything be focused around uh, nature really? Did it humble you? It's like yeah, we'll see you on Friday, and like oh no, we won't be there till yeah, Tuesday. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And I learned quickly that you should just never set plans or dates. You have to if you're going to meet people, make it very r- rough area. And just say, I don't, I'm going to end be roughly around here. You're going to have to just come and find me. Whereas if you try and say you're going to be at that that point at that time, then sure enough, there's probably going to be yeah. a spanner in the works. So, okay, so what was it like? Okay, so your confidence are up. The Groms again, off. Yeah. Now your mates are coming on. Yeah. What was it? Did you, did you know you're going to be in for a party? Like, is that was that the plan for you as well? Like, I. So- yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was, but they'd um they'd done a fair bit of partying, so we ended up having a really good balance, but. I should say actually before that, I remember, so I got to the Netherlands, I was like, felt like I got over the hardest part. I was feeling a bit better. Just before the boys went, I said, um, as we come into the the marina in the Netherlands, I said, oh, you can take, the boat was German registered and everywhere we'd go, like people weren't that excited to see another German boat. Whereas as soon as they found out we're Aussie, you know, then yeah, people would off. come over and, you know, and say, say hi and stuff. So I said to Jarrah, um, <laughs> um, oh, you can take the, the courtesy flag down and I meant like you can just like unhook it but he ended up like cutting the flag off and then I'm like oh no no like I meant like you know you can just take the whole thing off but so anyway he he's gone and I have no idea but he's he's tied the um the German flag on upside down and so <laughs> weeks later I sailed for the next two weeks before my mates came um I had a family friend from the UK come who had a boat and sailed which was epic because then I, I learned so much being with him but Anyway, we're sailing and we, we're in the UK. We pull into oh, what's the um, what's the ah, uh, the town in um in the UK on the south coast? It's like a bit of a Cornwall, Newquay. Um, no, no, like uh, br- br- oh, you'd know it. Um, Brixton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Brighton. Brighton. It was Brighton. Yeah. So we pull anyway. Sorry, we pull into Brighton. So wait, did you wait? wait Not did, that relevant. Did you get off your boat and fly over to? England with this guy. No, no, so sorry. He's um before the boys came, we have a family friend who's come and he's done a oh, okay, two week yeah, leg yeah. with me. He was yeah. just another person I'd locked in. Yeah, yeah. Which was great because going through the English channel was um was challenging. And that was the only time on the trip for two weeks where I had someone who had some experience. And so that was that was really good. Anyway, we're in the UK. We come in, in the marina and this German guy comes rushing over. He goes, We saw you out to sea, we we're coming in and uh we're tr- you know, we're trying to radio to to see like um, you know, what's happened, are you all good? And and I was like so confused and like, what do you mean? And he's like, You have the German flag upside down, that's a that's a clear sign that you're Side in distress. distress. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've been saying like that for two weeks. What a kook. Oh. <laughs> Did you were you like, Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just I was just like I was just apologetic. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. And now yeah, I just remember him walking away, almost shaking his head like because you could tell that we were just clueless. Yeah. It's funny. Did you put an Aussie flag up too? Because we had to have yeah. the Malaysian, Indonesian. Yeah. Just, in Indone- and then we'd put an Aussie up. So, yeah. we'd have three flags so you up. know, you're supposed to have like, you can put like crew flags like up on the um, yeah. on the rigging. But we had this fucking, this the crew flag, which is supposed to be like size of a 
handkerchief. We ended up having this like fuck off Aussie flag. It probably looks so bogey. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. You go into a marina and people like so rare to see Aussies sailing through Europe in a way, I guess, or yeah. at least up, up north. Yeah. So it was nice to have people come and introduce themselves and yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Like rocking up, say, say like you, you rock up in like to, to a party town, like you, yeah. you rock up somewhere where there's other travelers. Yeah. And then what was it like you rocking up with a yacht? Yeah, it was um, it was really rewarding. So from especially from like Amsterdam South, I had friends who had met traveling kind of sprinkled along the way, just not heaps, but here and there. So there was one in The Hague, just south of Amsterdam. There was a guy and sure enough, like his apartment was like a block away from where my boat was. So we had dinners together and like I hung out at his and it was just really cool. And then I ended my trip uh, with Bob, the guy who uh, helped me through the English Channel. We finished in... Um, in France, in Brittany. Yeah, this really good French mate that I'd um, traveled with in Hawaii. He's a professional longboarder. Him and his family live there and I'd always wanted to go visit them. And it was that was like one of the sickest moments of the whole trip. We come around this headland, like beautiful countryside in, um, in Brittany, in France, and they surprise us. They come burning out in their rubber ducky and like fully like, you know, like cheering us in and have like already found this. They have a, a free guest mooring. If you know locals there, you can just moor there indefinitely. It was the sickest thing to be like under their cliff. They're on this beautiful, you know, little countryside and to like have the, bo- the boat moored for free. And then every day we're having, you know, lunch and dinner there. The, the mother was like so sweet and just was so keen to um make us all, yeah, beautiful French food every day. Yeah. And just all hang out. So, that was that was epic. That was like that was the first time that I was like, okay, this is like why I've got into sailing. And and I guess it's you know you can imagine before that it was just like you know in the English Channel in the North Sea, it's like it's murky. It's been it's still freezing at this point. Like I didn't go swimming once. It was that cold. Yeah. And at this point, it's like getting towards summer now, and it's like you're starting to get beautiful warm days. Like, um, and I remember the feeling of coming out the English. Um, English Channel into the Atlantic for the very first time. Like this is the first time I've come from a sea into an ocean and the water changes from, you know, murky to crystal clear and like straight away just these dolphins come up onto the bow and and they just, they stayed there for so long that I like we got bored of them in the end. But it was like, it was just the sickest feeling to feel like we'd just put that behind all the the stress and the current, like this, you know, dealing with the currents and wind against current and all the traffic through the English Channel, like that is it's not much fun. It's a great place to learn to sail and harden your skills, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that enjoyable. Yeah, that feeling of coming into into France and be able to go surfing for the first time, like we got to yeah. It's like it, it kind of sounds like you ended your trip where you should start where you should have started it. Yeah. Well this actually this is so this is kind of like the middle at this stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll keep. I'll try and. I'll wrap it up quick. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't wrap it up. Don't, don't, don't. Just keep, keep going. Because I want more sailing stories. It's sick. Yes. So at this point, we're with Benoit's family, my French mate, and Bob leaves us, and it was great. He ended up hitting off with his family. He was like this classic, like old school. Uh, English guy who didn't like, like, just didn't get along with French people, generally speaking. You know, obviously the French and the, you know, the British yeah. clash. And so we'd actually, he'd said, we're going along the coast of the UK as much as possible because I just don't like France. <laughs> and he ended up having the most sweet relationship with um, my mate's French family. Like, they were just everyone, like, it was, it like, I think it like changed his opinion on French people because they just like, yeah, we just had such a good time having these dinners every night. And yeah. <laughs> How long did this trip take you? Like, this, this, le- like, this whole, like season that you did yeah, is this so six I'm months coming up on this was probably only coming up on two months now really yeah. really yeah 
and so we've been yeah taking it slow and like like we stopped in the in uh around amsterdam in the hague for a few weeks stopped in Aarhus for like a week and a half to just enjoy there like everywhere yeah. i had friends i'd try and stay for a few weeks yeah and um did you feel like a lord like just pulling in in your boat um, <laughs> in your yacht you know what i mean yeah i still felt like i st- yeah i still had there was i should mention as well like i had constantly looming up onto me. there was three massive challenges right so there was the north sea and north sea was a big challenge the english channel was a big challenge but then arguably the biggest one is um is the bay of biscay have you heard like the reputation about the bay of biscay no. so so that whole that when you think of um europe that whole chunk that's taken out of france and spain there's that huge bay yeah so that's yeah really infamous for sailing because you've just got these storms that come funneling out of the atlantic into the bay of biscay and you've also got the issue of you drop off the edge of the continental shelf so if you've got a large sea and it's tr- you know this this uh the swells having to transition from being really deep to quite shallow then that can make a really bad sea state yeah so that I was really worried about that. Funnily enough, at this point, Bob's left and then uh, Falcon and Billy have come. And I'm like, hey, boys, like, I'm sorry to put you straight into it, but this is, we're at the, the point of France where you leave and you just have to sail for two or three days straight to cross the Bay of Had they done any sailing? No. They'd been on boat trips to the Mentawis and stuff, keen surfers. Yeah, they'd never sailed. As but it, they were, it was so good because they were just frothing. They were just like, they were just so adventure. keen to learn to sail. Like, they wanted to learn everything they could. But yeah, funnily enough, I'm like trying to prep them for um for crossing the Bay of Biscay, and they're like they're like oh fuck that they're like they're like they're like dude you haven't been to Hosiga yet like we've got mates all through Hosiga like we have to go to Hosiga yeah anyone who doesn't know Hosiga it's like the the surfing capital of Europe and just a really cool place in France anyway and so I'm like fuck that means we're gonna have to like we're gonna go probably sail three times as far to like we have to just follow the coast the whole way instead of you know just sailing three days nonstop to get to Spain. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Like, we've got a month. Like, we can do it. Like, you know, why not? And so, I start researching it and even talking to Benoit's family who have done a little bit of sailing. And people were kind of, they're like, yeah, you can do it. But just, you know, be prepared that, you know, the the predominant winds are blowing into the Bay of Biscay in a way. So, you can get stuck, you know, inside and then you're going to have to potentially motor a lot, you know, be beating into the wind. Yeah. And so, I just thought, screw it. Let's, let's do it. And if we have to... um motor or wait for the weather windows then we'll do it and it was a great decision because we ended up having yeah like a like a really good time sailing along that rest of the coast of um of Brittany. the boys were stoked yeah like the whole trip just changed so much at this point because i'd been like we were dealing with i feel like the the majority of days had rained before that there was still plenty of nice days but us yeah the majority had rained it was horrible and then at this point, it's like you're in France, like summer's hit, and it was just a completely different experience. you're with your best mates like you know living in a I wasn't that close with, I hadn't really hung out that much with the the people who'd been on the boat beforehand. We still had a good time. But like when you're with, you know, your close mates who you, you can do with, you know, anything. You can do anything. Yeah. yeah. And you just feel, you just feel everyone's so comfortable, comfortable and you just yeah. bouncing off each other. I know exactly what you yeah. mean. And it was, and it was just, it was just the best feeling. And it was good. We were just living a really healthy lifestyle, actually. The, not like we had over the whole month that we sailed together, we probably only partied like, you know, maybe four, four, four or five nights, and we were just like getting so into cooking. Everyone was reading heaps, playing cards every night. How is that? You read so much on yeah, a boat, hey? Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's like, I've heard people have got turned off sailing because of you know they're like, oh, it doesn't get boring. But if you're someone who loves to get into podcasts and reading, like I find in when I'm back in everyday life now, I'm just craving having 
you know, time away, it's like camping or whatever, to to actually like have that time to listen to, to podcasts yeah. and um and to read and you know and so I love that about sailing. I never never got close to being bored. Like yeah, you know, I being out in the ocean. Yeah, and and being able to take that time to to learn, mm. you know, you can just be learning, um, and just to books. also be with your thoughts. Like it's just when I've done big passages, like that that trip that I did Tongan New Zealand, we're a month at sea because uh, we, we we spent a week and a half around Tonga, then we hit Minerva Reef, we got becummed in there, and then we sailed on to to New Zealand. But just that sitting there and sailing, like. Everyone on the boat, everyone yeah. went through huge transitional periods. Blake, like more, he finally mourned. He, he'd been, um, his his dad had sad, sadly passed away like a year and a half before that. And it all just came up for him. Like that, he actually got to sit and be with those thoughts and those feelings and yeah. mourn it. Lexa, she went through um, her own transitional period of what she was going to do with the next stage in her life. Me, like I went through all this whole transitional period of uh, and letting go of things because I actually had the time to sit there yeah. and process these thoughts. You know what I mean? It's so humbling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you're, you're sitting there with nothing but just the ocean to like look into, and it's just like, yeah, it can be bored, it can be boring, but like, what do you? It's like you you strip yourself of everything. You're not left with anything, but to yeah. those things just come up, and so like instead of like. It, yeah, it's boring is not the word for it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You sit there and, and it's like, and you go through these cycles, like I'll, I'll get, go up on deck and I'll like sit there and listen to my iPod for a bit and then I'll go yeah. read for a bit and then like you go sit down and you play a game yeah. or something. And, you just, and you're having such good, I feel like the conversation is great as well. Everyone get, gets deep. They're in, a, in just a really good place where you're having really good deep conversations yeah. with your mates as corny as it sounds like. It's, you're just in a good place. It's so growing. Yeah. And I remember like Falcon often talks about it. He's just like that feeling of being on an adventure with your mates, like we're well, in it together. And, and you know, just it, it, most of the time it was it was pretty cruisy, but you're still problem solving every day. You're researching the next leg of the trip. Yeah. And having, yeah, having those, working on that together and just having like, you know, it can be so rewarding just, you know, um, solving the problems that you want to reward. Sorry, sorry. Solve, yeah, solve, yeah, solving solve. the problems you want to reward. <laughs> yeah. Solving the um the problems that the problems that you kind of want to have, like or challenges you want to have. Yeah, you know, there were there were fun challenges to yeah to research and and figure out like how each leg was going to go and so on. Yeah, so we make it to to Hosiga and yeah, have an epic time there. Falcon's never had a girlfriend in his life. He falls in love with this beautiful French girl. They end up traveling together for for ages after this trip. Like just everything was kind of coming together. It was really cool. The, the universe. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah, then there's a so like my trip ends only a month from now on the corner of uh, Spain. I found a place where I can leave the boat uh, in Acuña. Is that because the, the, the season was finishing? Yeah. So so what actually happened was I. When I was actually in Aarhus, at the, like very close to the start of the trip, and I was very nervous, I I just realized I'm like, you're an idiot. You need to go get experience with people who have sailed, you know, heaps, and then you can actually enjoy this more. Yeah. And so I did it so back to front. But I'd been for, I'd been re- watching heaps of these, you know, how to sailing videos on YouTube from this sailing school. There's a guy from Sydney called um, James Kell, and he set up yeah their their head head office in the Caribbean to do the do yeah this sailing school essentially but their their point of difference was it's an adventure sailing school so a lot of the anyone who you talk to who goes to sailing school a lot of the time it's like 
these kind of jaded old sailors who um, don't really enjoy sailing so much anymore and it's just not a very fun experience. So, anyway, they've tried to... It's more expensive to go and do it with um, James's company, Sailing Virgins, but you have a sick time and it's most... They actually make it so it's only people under 40, so it's kind of... Yeah, yeah pretty fun. Yeah. So, anyway, I'd been watching them for so long and, yeah, my... My work at that time had been, uh, was yes, yeah, still is video production, and I can see that they're doing all these these sick YouTube videos. And I'm like, I'm like, why don't I just reach out to them and say, if you ever, you know, need uh, a filmer and an editor for for a different, you know, time of the year, I'll just come and do it in exchange for going through some of your courses. Brilliant. Yeah, and so and this that was like one of the best things I've ever done in my life. So I reached out to them. Funnily enough, actually, I mentioned Riley from um, Sailing with Vagabond, his cousin Jack who just got into sailing because of Riley. He was one of the partners in um, in Sailing Virgins. And so I messaged Jack and James and like I just, yeah, I just told them where I was at. I bought a boat, you know, I um, sent them some of my work and within like 15 minutes, Jack replied frothy and being like, fuck yeah, dude, like um, come meet us in Croatia. We've just started um, doing courses in Croatia. Like when can you meet us? Your videos look great for what we need, blah, blah, blah. And it was just, yeah. And, I, and so I ended up, this is fast forwarding a bit, but after this trip, I ended up, going and sailing all around the world with those guys, not doing ocean crossings, but they set up in Tahiti, in Croatia, in the Caribbean. I spent months in the Caribbean working for this like fairly, uh, like really experienced guys. Like all of them had done at least two ocean crossings. Um, really? Like yacht, all yacht masters. And so I ended up, it was so back to front that I did it. I literally haven't been back to my boat since because of COVID. But yeah, the the anyway, I ended up just having like learning so much and so, lot- so what did they did they end up hiring you or did you just yeah. stay trading yeah that's right so we did one week and that week in croatia was just an exchange where it's like yeah i i would produce a youtube video for them that week and then i'd just get to do the course and so we did that and then we got we just clicked so well like it's just like how you and i get along you know it's like when you meet people and you just yeah. jam yeah and they just they offered they're like hey why don't you come and do the caribbean season with us and stay for as long as you want and so on. So, yeah, I ended up going from Croatia to, to the Caribbean for two months. Yeah, it was it was and it's really good. So and they're sick. some of my best mates now. Um, let, let the expression, yeah. I, I say that, let the expression take you traveling. That is yeah. so sick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you've used a skill to trade. You've gone, you've met these dudes and it's taken you everywhere. And it, yeah. But you've set yourself up to be open to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow, what an experience. Yeah. So, you know what I find funny? It's like, okay, you doing that learning to sail after you've sailed, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, it, you, you've done it so so backwards, but it's like so funny that like you do this trip and then you go meet these lords and then learn with the professionals. So, would you call yourself a sailor now? Absolutely, yeah. But so, only since after, like I'd say semi-sailor by the end of my trip in Europe. Yeah. Like, you know, we we I made it from top to bottom unscathed, but I've I've now my my vision of a of a of a proper skipper now is someone who you know anyone can go and sail a boat, but when the shit hits the fan, you need to know how to deal with it. And in hindsight, I put myself in some fairly vulnerable positions. If shit had hit the fan, probably would have got to you know got through it. But you want to be confident in that situation. I wouldn't have been confident. Yeah, it's you know? it's not. It's not a um, it's not a thing to be too reckless with. I, I, I know I've known heaps of guys that have got, gone bought boats and done two weeks and then sailed and learned as they, as they're gone. Yeah, it's it's not something that when I've got a family I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I if it's just me or whatever. When you look back, you know how you said like you know you've gone on this like kind of dream trip, but it's actually been like quite hard, and you haven't. You, to be honest, you got everything you needed out of it. Yeah, you, yeah. you know you know what I mean by, by sounds of it because. 
but it, you know it wasn't those dream days yeah. every day that you you thought you were going to have absolutely you know but like when you look back on it now like could you like do you look back at the experience you have and just be like oh like, yeah, that would have been so much easier now. Like it's yeah. just like, oh, like exactly. If I did that trip now, that exact same trip, I would just be so much more confident, and enjoy it so much more. I mean, I can't like everything's worked out really well, so don't regret the way it's it's panned out. But yeah, it's it's I I definitely have taken that lesson of just like <laughs> just don't be afraid to go out and <laughs> get what you need. Like it was, I feel like that was just my ego being like. Nah, like, you know, you need to be a badass and like go on, you know, and just do it with no, but that, that was just arrogant, you know, it was silly. Like I should have maybe going and doing courses in your thing, but maybe you just got to reach out to people and offer to cook on their boat so you can go and get experience mm. with people who are, you know, who are experienced and stuff. So that's kind of how I look back on it now. Yeah. Well, one thing I know about sailing is that people are always looking for a hand. You know what I mean? And that's why I was saying like, like I, right now we can't do it, but I'm like, I'm so confident I can travel around the world hitchhiking on yachts. Yeah. Because every marine has got someone who's about to do a passage. Yeah. Who's going to do it either by himself or like with him and his wife or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, dude. Yeah. Like they want someone to give them a hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can go jump on and be like, yeah, dude, I'll pull some, pull some ropes for you. Yeah, totally. And they're going to froth. You're going to learn so much off them. Yeah. I think it's like important to keep in mind it can be make or break, you know, who you're with or it is, it is make or break who you're going to be with being in a close space. Like I've heard plenty of stories of people going to crew on boats with just dickheads basically. Yeah. Um, they're just not nice people. And you just have to, you just got to maybe just do that research beforehand and have a chat to the person and try and get a feel for them. Yeah. But I wonder if there's, if people are listening to this and wondering like how to get into sailing, I wonder, I get like you could literally go to marinas and just ask around any sailing clubs. Yeah, doing courses is obviously like a great way. I can yeah. I can fully plug sailing virgins here. I'm very satisfied with the experience I had with them. They're <laughs> a great experience. Traveled around the world with them. Yeah, yeah, and like there's also have you heard like there's um there's a website called I think Crew Seeker or yeah or yeah 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 CrewFinder.com or that's something. Right. Crew Seeker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's that must find be a, a great crew way. and there's find a crew or something. Yeah. Uh, what what is sailing to you? Having having your boat. For me, yeah. Over there, knowing like, you know, let's just pretend COVID's not a thing because fuck, it's just, just pretend it's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, you know, what is that boat there? Yeah. It's just, yeah, for me, like I, I was at that time in my life where I really wanted, yeah, I just wanted freedom and sorry, I just wanted adventure, but also to to have that that base of like, I love having my own space in a way. So to, the fact to have a home, like to be able to adventure and then have that home to go back to was a really cool thing. And I wanted a challenge. So you could, I feel like I could have had, I could have, there's so much less money, kitted out a van in Europe, you know, and traveled around Europe. It would have been so much easier and it would have cost a lot less, possibly could have had more fun, but it wouldn't have been nearly as rewarding. Yeah. So that's, yeah, to me it was and just- growing. Yeah, adventure and a, and a home yeah. yeah, combined. But we'll think about it. It's like this, yeah, it's, you know, it's the easy route. It's it, when, when you said like the van thing just then, it kind, I kind of pictured like, I, I kind of pictured, you know, the weekend, uh, weekend warrior kind of thing. I kind of pictured yeah. like the weekend hiker, you know, going and, and doing a weekend hike and having the, the fire and staying at the Airbnb yeah. and like it all, oh, it's all fun for the weekend to the guy who's doing the month long hike barefoot yeah, yeah. or something that where they're going to get that experience. They're going to get that depth. They're going to get that challenge. They're going to learn yeah. about themselves. They're going to break their walls down. They're going to yeah. have fun. They get, you know, you get everything at yeah. once. And it's like, sometimes I, I think like, 
yeah, it's just like, why do we live? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? We live to experience. Yeah. And I don't know, for some reason I get addicted to, I've been watching that alone show lately. I'm so fucking addicted to it. Yeah. Right. Where it's like um, survivalists get put out in in the wilderness alone. And yeah. they've got to film their own stuff and they've got to, the longest person standing wins. And it's so challenging. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's it's so challenging and so raw and so wild. And they're so confronted with um you know, trying to survive, but their own thoughts, like yeah. everything comes at once. And the one thing that happens is they all have huge life awakenings. Yeah. Every person just by being alone, by being stressed, by being stripped of everything. And it's just like, they all get so humbled and they yeah. all get these sublime, magical moments. Right. And then I often think it's just like, okay, can I, do I take the easy route and have a fun time and everything which i i do hate but it's like yeah you know 90 percent of the time but every every so often that 10 percent, i want to go deep i want to feel that magic you know yeah. what i mean yeah, it's just yeah. like that that inner spark where you're alive you yeah, know sure. and like to do that it's like you know it's the, it's it's the reward you know like you're saying it wouldn't yeah. have been as rewarding it's like you had to like and the growth that you go through from yeah. yeah it's like it's like why i'm addicted to iceland you know what it's I mean? So, like I, I yeah. live in Australia and I've lived in Indonesia where I can just go and get perfect pumping waves like every yeah, day. Like yeah. when I lived in Sambawa, like I just sat there straight out the front of my favorite wave and like lived there and just surfed every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uncrowded, fun waves and just surfed. Yeah. Right? It was just so easy. Yeah. And then I go to places like Iceland where it's like you've got to work for it. Yeah. You've got to work so fucking hard to get that one moment. Yeah. And then when you get that moment, but it's just fucking everything. And so that's, true. that's like sailing. Like that. those moments where you said like everything opened up with the bioluminescence and it's like, you know, when the sails are perfectly trimmed and it's that quietness yeah. and you're just cutting through the water and it's that freedom. Yeah. Did you ever have like, I've got to say, I've had this several time, times on boats where you're just screaming. You're just like, woohoo. Yeah, like yeah. just like, like, and it's like dead quiet. Yeah. The boat's just like kind of no. like, you know, slightly beamed over, like it's yeah. just cutting through the water yeah, and you're just feeling. hanging off the side and you're just flying. You're just going, woohoo, you know, yeah. like just this freedom and this sense of adventure. No, absolutely. There was definitely a few of those in the mix. <laughs> sailing, anything to do with sailing, it gives me it gives me the 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 bubbles, like the excitement. That, well, this podcast, most people I talk to, I, I get this like excitement to travel and, and go on adventures. But sailing's like the rawest you know yeah. what i mean because you can go anywhere you can do anything yeah when the weather allows you to no nice. you know what i mean but what, yeah. what, what i don't miss about sailing is it's the same same with you it's like you know how you said it. like i remember getting to places in, in off islands in in indonesia and you, you know and like we kind of you know you anchor off a reef but you don't know what bombies are around oh, yeah. and you go dive and like and that and, constant anxiety in the back of your mind. Yeah, and you're checking <laughs> and you're checking all the bombies and then the wind picks up in the night and you wake you get woken yeah. up by the anchor dragon. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'd have a GPS alarm, the alarm goes off, but you can hear the anchor scratching the reef and go yeah. And then the wind's picking up, it's pushing you, and you know, the boat's swung now, yeah. and there's a bombie over there, and, and the anchor's dragging now, so now you're up yeah. in that freaking 2 a.m., you know what I mean? You've yeah. only slept for a few hours, you've surfed all day, you're buggered, yeah. and you, you're fighting to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. when you're on boats, you just got to step up and just do it. And the other thing I never appreciated that's kind of a downside is to obviously really think about where you're going to explore that's that's like is it set up good for exploring on a sailboat because like the whole so my trip was down the west coast of, of europe and it's mostly just like massive exposed sections of coast and it means that 
you know, there was all these regions that I kind of wanted to visit and you, you can't because it's like you can't, there's no protected place to, to stop for the night. You're in open ocean and, mm. you know, so it's like, you know, whereas in a, I remember thinking like, oh, if I was in a van, I could be like going and adventuring around there. And like taking it back to like say sail boat versus van and so on. I think it's still like can be a matter of, you know, not, not necessarily what you're doing, but how you do it. Like you could take, you know, someone could get into sailing, but be in a closed off attitude and not venture further than their, mm. you know, their, their little area. But, you know, you could be in a, in a van and just like go out of your way to meet people and, and, you know, travel by yourself and like go to these crazy places. So I think it's like, I think, yeah, sailing is in a way the ultimate platform to just like, you know, adventure and visit, get to these places. But yeah, I guess it's, it's still, it's all about your um, frame of mind and what, how you take it on. What would you say to that Grom right now that's just sitting there going, yeah, like, yeah, I wish, I wish I could take that step. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, so I know that, that right now there's people listening to this going, oh, that would be sick. Like, yeah. it'd be sick to do, but like, oh, like, you know, like, can I take that step? Yeah. I think you know? um, if, if it's something you're like really excited by, then it's not, it's not hard to learn, you know, like you can, like, I, I can't imagine how many, you know, does countless dozens of hours I spent just reading and researching stuff because it was interesting. I was wanting to learn about it, you know? So yeah, that's, I think, if you're really interested in it, then you should just be like, you know, learning as much as you can. And then, yeah. And if you feel like, you know, if you like, if you're in a situation where you haven't got the money for a, a boat, which is can be obviously really tricky, then just going and, um, yeah, and finding people that you you jam with that you are that you can crew with and, and get into it that way. Yeah, you know, you know what I also find just as exciting is when you make the decision you're going to do it one day and you start saving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, and that's... you start saving, you're saving yeah. your money. I like, I remember like this car that I wanted when I was a grom. Yeah. And I'd just work and just save every money on my, I'm, all my money. I'm like, I'm going to have this car. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's just like when we, yeah, when I had the money for the boat, man, and we were looking, just looking was so exciting. Yeah. I remember like Jimmy, like he flew to the Gold Coast and like him and I went up to Southport to a marina up there and like went and checked out a boat and just going on the boat that like potentially we're going to buy and see if it's the right one. Yeah. It's so fucking exciting. I know. So we're like, oh, we're doing this. And the, the thing was, the whole thing was to sail Indonesia and we are looking at boats all around the world, like not all around the world, but all around like Asia, around yeah. Australia and wherever we bought the boat is where the trip was going to start. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, oh, is this going to start in Australia? <laughs> like, oh, there's this boat over in Fremantle. Oh, is the trip going to start there? Yeah. Oh, is this boat in Malaysia? Oh, there's one here in Thailand. You know what such, I mean? Just the whole, cool just we looked for that boat for like a year and a half, two years even, you, you know, like just that whole time was mega exciting. Like, I remember, like, it just became what we were doing. It was, like, ingrained in me as what I was doing. Like, when I met my ex-girlfriend, she was, like, I was together with my mates out and everything, and we were in this group, like, this is what we are doing. And I remember, like, saying to her, you know, like, yeah, I'm, like, living over in Western Bar, but it's just until we find a yacht and then me and the boys are going sailing. <laughs> yeah. You know you know what I mean? I was, like, that's what I'm doing. She was, like, oh, that's sick. You know what I mean? I'm, like... Yeah, it's just like it became. I just it became my belief system. You know, I just made it my belief system. It's what we're doing. You know, yeah. and then when the boat came up, it was no, yeah. like it wasn't even a question. I think, um, and it makes so much sense to try and buy a boat with your mates. Like it's just then you like all your costs are a third. You've got mm. people. You know, you got a support network to do it with. Yeah, you just have to be really careful who you um who you pick to go with because it can be make or break for the friendship. I guess. Hey? Yeah, that's exactly but, it. And yeah. like, yeah, I've you know I've sailed with people that. 
we we have we're so close to for it and i've sat with people that we're we're not as close for it yeah. and i haven't had a falling out with anyone but it's just just not yeah. as close you yeah. know what i mean it's just like <laughs> yeah. yeah and it, no, yeah so true yeah maybe we can wrap it up with there's two kind of funny stories for that that last few weeks of the trip in europe that i haven't um haven't mentioned we had a pretty funny man overboard incident i ended up being arrested for overstaying my visa and so i got semi-impounded <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. so um this is so, traveling right here yeah maybe like finish it off on a light note yeah <laughs> yeah so we the friend that i mentioned who was studying in Aarhus, he was doing um his phd in biology and he was he never he loved fishing but he never fished in the ocean and so he um we teed up for him to come and join us on the boat for this last leg absolute legend his name's vince he's um one of the best surfers from germany actually and anyways he's you just imagine this full frother german just legend and he comes on the boat and he's he's like set up his fishing line to go off the back of the boat we hadn't fished the whole time we just hadn't worried about it and anyway we're we're cruising along the whole day's nothing and we're like everyone's kind of sad didn't catch a fish and then suddenly the the line goes and he's just yes like for everyone's freaking out and then we look in the distance and this poor um you know those big cormorant birds yeah it's it's come <laughs> down taking actually, the lure oh yeah and we've just gone like yeah it was he- it was yeah, heavy yeah. we're just going fuck like if it's swallowed the whole tackle like yeah, yeah. probably gonna have to but prove it, it happens out of misery. Man, it happens like a lot the fish take lures oh it's so rough i mean that birds take lures yeah yeah and it was maybe like yeah it was like moderate to fresh breeze onshore so there's a bit of a roll on the water we're a few k's out to sea off the coast of uh, spain like in um, basque country anyway and we're like fuck like we've got to get this we've got to like get this bird and so we keep coming um i keep you know turning like coming back past it and it's like you just can't get close enough to get it and vince's yeah i don't know i'm sure plenty of sailors would frown upon this yeah we were we were all very confident swimmers surfing big waves and so on we felt comfortable with him just jumping overboard and um so he's, he's like stripped <laughs> off into his undies he's um he's jumped over we're thinking as soon as he gets to the bird like you know he's gonna be able to untangle it or whatever he gets to it and it like i don't know if you can imagine those big cormorant birds they've got like this big hooked beak they're mm-hmm. really strong like their necks <laughs> about the thickness of your wrist like they're anyway and as soon as he gets to it and he, he's someone who loves animals like yeah, and yeah he's yeah. got a really like nice voice and i just i can never forget it's so funny he gets to it and he's like he's like patting it trying to be like it's okay it's okay and it's just like going for like blood it's just like pecking at his face like doing everything it can so he's like holding it by the neck trying yeah. to you know and um so now he's fighting a bird i'm just yeah. trying to help you and then he and then it turns like it's just tangled we can't figure out where like it's just the whole bird is just wrapped in the fishing line and he realizes he's not going to be able to to free it so he he's like he's like come come back around and you know and pick me up and and so he he at this stage then he's also his his feet is stuck in the fishing line so he's like <laughs> kicking like a, a mermaid whilst holding yeah. the bird <laughs> we had um at the same time as vince we had another mate jump on dom who's like one of the main guys and he does videos with inspired unemployed so dom's one of like the moustache he's got a personality called big twisty oh yeah the f- funniest yeah, guy the, ever yeah big, yeah big oh, mullet moustache so funny so he, he's there if you can i don't know if you've ever if you've ever seen dom or big twisty that's uh, who i'm talking about He's at the back of the boat. Falcon was like crook as a dog at this stage because Dom had brought this virus over on the plane with him from Australia and like the whole boat was slowly getting sick one after the other. So Falcon's um like just full fever, like just shaking downstairs. I'm trying to steer the boat, yelling like, do this, do that. Vince is tangled in fishing line. Dom gets to the back of the um the boat 
pretty cruisy. Picks and then like grabs the bird. And I just remember looking over my shoulder and as soon as he's grabbed the bird, it's just gone straight for his eye. And it was so <laughs> lucky. Like they got big hooked beaks. Yeah. It, it pierced the skin directly under his eye. Like it is like a, oh he probably could have put like a, a ring in there or something. So it could, I feel like it could, it could have lost his eye yeah. so bad. Anyway, he's, so then he's screaming, like holding the bird. <laughs> Vince, um, Vince gets up. Everyone's frantic, like trying to get the um, this. And I've also still got the mainsail up because we're trying to do this as quick as possible. So I'm like just trying to have the boat in irons, like so it's depowered. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I'm yelling at Falcon, like Falcon, like I know you're sick, but you need to like you need to steer for me so I can like steer the boat into the wind so I can get the sail down. Falcon's just like so out of it, he can't even talk. Like he's trying to yell back to me, and his like voice is just broken. Like yeah. he's got a big blanket over his head, like <laughs> sitting trying to steer the boat. It was just it was a really funny moment. Yeah, it, it was actually a really good ending. So the boys um, got scissors, they cut all the um the fishing line off, and they realised it had just got wound up in the tackle, and they could just yeah they had to cut one feather to get the like just release the whole thing. And it was also frantic at this stage, but um, Vince has just gone. Like it's done. Like get rid of it. And Dom has just like we. I just imagining like this, you know, elegant, like you know, letting yeah. the bird back into the water or whatever. Yeah. And Dom's just fucking shot put this bird <laughs> face planted into the water. Like looked like it was half, half dead with its wings out. And we're all like kind of in silence for a second. Like fuck, is it is, is it okay? We watch it catch its breath, slowly come to, and then it flies off totally yeah. happy. Flies with off, just like fuck you, God. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, some. Yeah, in the middle of that though, this this uh, French boat, this old couple is uh, is sailing past us and watching the commotion. That night, they ask us how we go, and we're like, "Oh, it's so good, we freed it." And they, it was all this; conf- they were kind of confused. Vince could speak French and got to the bottom of it, but it turned out they were like us. They saw us in the water tackling this bird, and they they were asking how it was. They thought we'd like they were like, "Oh, it's good eating, like yeah, yeah French people eat snails it. and birds and stuff." Yeah. For some reason I don't I don't know big twisty like personally, but I just love <laughs> just his facials, his oh, body expression, how imagine. he does stuff, and yeah. like picturing him picking up a bird to oh, save him and pecking him straight oh. in the face. This was like <laughs> the funniest. It was that funny. We were on such a high after it. Actually, we were just piercing ourselves. I was laughing about the, the whole thing. Imagine if that was filmed. Hey, those videos that they've done on a sailboat, some of the earlier ones. Yeah. That, that was that on your boat? That was on the boat, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, yeah, some of the earlier videos. Yeah, so anyone who's followed the Inspired Unemployed, this was sort of, they've been making videos for almost a year at this stage and it hadn't really blown up. And then as soon as they left the boat and went back to Australia, that's when like things kicked off and they could start doing it for work. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Really? Wait, t- tell us, um, like, I just often think it'd be so fun because, like, I love doing stupid videos with my mates. But, like, just the fact of, like, getting the boys together and just being like, all right, boys, let's just do a stupid dance. Come on, man, let's yeah. just dance this song. Like, it'd just be so funny. That one where they're in, like, the sand dunes and they're um got all the black on. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, in the, in, the, in the quarry. That was sort of like their breakthrough video. My dancing skills have never been um, up to scratch. I've always been the one who helps here and there with filming. But it's so funny to watch. And, yeah, it's classic. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Oh, I, need to, um, I need to go take a piss. Okay. 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 And then can you tell me a story getting arrested? Yeah, I'll make it real quick. Okay. Okay. Wait, we're going to piss first. All right, let's piss the balcony. <laughs> All right, we're back from pissing off my balcony. <laughs> <laughs> shit, I can work out your headphones. No, they're twisty. Out. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. One last story. Story of getting arrested. Oh, I love getting the stories of people getting arrested over this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, so not long after this incident, we're getting like right towards the end of the trip, like finally feel like 
we've like found our feet and things are just like not as stressful as what they were. So we're we're making it to like the corner of Spain and I found out later it's like where a lot of the the coke apparently enters Europe. So we hadn't really encountered much like police and coast guard, but like as we're getting to here, it's like getting more intense with like checking boats and like you know the, the yeah the coast guard and all the rest. Anyway, so we're in this this city called Santander and we see that I mentioned earlier, like you just get these predominant winds coming in into the Bay Biscayne and we're trying to go against it. So there was this whole week of bad wind coming on the nose and we're like, let this, it's glassy for the next, you know, kind of night and a bit. So let's just like get in the, let's get in the boat and let's just motor and just get to this next point. So at least we're a little bit further along in the trip. So we, we do that. And I um, was a bit irresponsible in this regard. There was like, there's no real, there's not really any ship traffic at this point. It's a calm, glassy night. The boys have been on the boat for a few weeks. I've been teaching them everything I can. And so I feel comfortable with just like leaving them like rotating shifts. Yeah. But in hindsight, <laughs> probably be bad. So I should have mentioned it, but I just assumed that if anything unusual happened, they'd tell me. So what ends up happening is we're motoring through the night and for the second time on the trip, the fog, this fog, unforecast fog just sets in. And this time this is like so thick, like you can barely... At times, you could like not see barely in front of the nose of the boat and then most of the time it's like 10 meters or something like that. Shit. And so, I have no idea. So, you're asleep down below. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, like there's four of us. Like, let's just rotate. We get a full night's sleep. Like, it was great. And, um, <laughs> and the boys are like, yep, yeah. keep us steady. <laughs> oh, and so, I I wake up in the morning and I'm like coming to and 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 they're like they're like yeah we're nearly there and I'm like sick and then I'm coming up out of the, into the air and I'm just like holy shit it is so foggy I'm like fuck how long has it been this for do we just like come into it now like oh no it's been like that for like hours and I'm like fuck what's like is it been alright and then Billy's like he's like oh to be honest like there was this this like Spanish fishing boat got like really pissed off at us like we nearly hit it and I'm just going fuck like <laughs> so, <laughs> so bad and so. Anyway, we I just feel like we've dodged a bullet and we come into the, the marina called Gijon in uh, in Spain. Oh, Gijon? Gijon. Yeah. I've been there. No way. In Asturias. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. just next to Portugal. Like, Asturias yeah, is next exactly. to Portugal. Gijon. Gijon. Not yeah, many people know that right. town. No. Yeah. Man, I, I was camping there in the middle of winter. Well, yeah. I was so fucked. The surf there, right? Yeah, yeah, but it was too cold. <laughs> so, yeah. Dead safe. Yeah, okay, so you're coming into Gijon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and gnarly. Like, it was just so foggy that I was really worried about just hitting anything going in. Like, I remember... Like even once we got into the marina, you still couldn't see anything. Like it was just that bad. We we tie up alongside, and like I just feel so relieved. Yeah, we've made it to this next point. Yeah, we dodged a bullet not t-boning this poor Spanish fishing boat, and we're greeted by these like you know the Spanish are often are like quite macho, and <laughs> they've just got that macho like anyway these these two like customs like slash police officers they come down and they're just like. I don't know. They they were straight away. Actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, we would have looked so fucked up because we've we come in. And I remember Dom's in his like little short cheese cutter red boardies, like tatted up, like yeah, like like we all like the boat was just like so messy at this point. Like there's just surfboards all like stuck to the side of it. Like it just didn't look great. And I really messed up. I what had happened was you know how I don't know if you experienced this, but whenever you go into a different country sailing. 
you're expected to have, it depends where you are in the world, but you're expected to have a, um, a courtesy flag of that country. Yeah. So you've got the, the flag from where you're registered, like out the back, and then you also should put the courtesy yeah, flag the, there. And I know like friends have sailed around the world and in the Pacific, like a lot of people just don't do it. It's not a, really even a thing. But in Europe, some places they kind of expect it, some places they don't. I The term courtesy flag, I just thought it was courtesy, <laughs> but turns out the, the Spaniards can take it really seriously and like as a sign of disrespect. It. So they're, as soon as we get off the dock, they're like, um, already yeah they're, they're, they're like they're like straight away pointing like where's your courtesy flag like just like looking at us like we're just like the rudest people ever and i'm like oh i'm so sorry like yeah we're like we just, i'll go get one straight away you know and so on and they're kind of just shaking their heads and like we're coming back and checking like you need to have it so that that happens and then these were kind of like youngish customs officers and then so they got a bit of ego too they're looking at yeah. a couple of young crew having a good time yeah. they're like and, yeah and, and, and we can't like our spanish is so limited and so then we think it's kind of okay. I'm like, All right, I'll just go get the courtesy flag, you know, it's fine. But then they've called like the senior officers and these guys, these, these previous people could actually speak a little bit of English and it was like, okay. Whereas these, these like really macho two guys, um, older guys come and they're like, just, you can just see they're pissed off. They're not happy at all. They keep just keep talking Spanish, even though I'm like saying to them, like, I'm really sorry, but I don't speak much Spanish. Like, you know, and so on. And he's just like, you can just tell they're out to get us. I, that's how I felt anyway. Yeah. So, they start, it's like passports, like starts going through, spends like over half an hour, like just pouring through all our passports. Everyone had been there in Europe for like, you know, quite a long time. And what happened with me was, so, you know, you get your 90-day, you know, visa in uh, Schengen, Europe. You get a different visa once you go to the UK, but you've got to, um, you know, you've got to stamp in and out pretty tricky because only some marinas in the uk actually offer because at this point um the uk and europe is, is still um open it's kind of before brexit and so i got it i went out of my way to get a stamp in dover showing to go in but then when we're leaving it was just like going to be the biggest hassle to go and get the stamp out and i had receipts and everything from the uk and i just thought if if i had to prove it like i could just show these receipts and stuff which is obviously um not the way it works in hindsight so this guy he's just pointing at my passport and he's like he's like hey you're you're like you've overstayed your visa you're an illegal um alien blah 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 and i'm just like trying to say like show him the stamp in england i'm like no like uk is different visa blah, blah blah he's like oh but where's your stamp out and this was actually this stage all on google translate super awkward heaps of tension like i'm having to like mm. type everything out he's you know he's getting like frustrated pissed off and he's like we're kind of just yeah arguing then he's like he's like no nah, that's it and the message that we get across is the boat it's not going anywhere it's staying here we're like we're in control of it and you're coming to the police station with us like get in the police car now and i was just like it what was, about the boys are they all right well they they're just i just remember being in the back of the um the police car looking out the back window like almost like in a movie <laughs> and they're just like standing there like just like kind of like looking at it like just so solemn like just yeah. like they're like what the fuck are we gonna do like we don't they can't sail the boat by themselves i'm potentially getting deported like it was just it was just shit like we were so stoked to have made it through the fog in this big night and like we're so keen to just like enjoy yeah, it and then it's just you get a couple of egos <laughs> yeah. yeah and i mean i guess it, i i obviously have to take responsibility for it because i didn't do everything by the book it's just it was a, that bureaucracy is just, i don't know it was a, yeah i can't do it either yeah <laughs> and so i had um i had like a few percent on my phone and i remember like i wasn't it, i was it was, it was shit, but I was like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to get deported. I'm going to have to try and figure out someone to move my boat or or someone. In the car, I remember thinking like I should just message mum and dad the name of the um, – sorry, the number for the Spanish embassy so they can like help sort stuff out if I'm um, if it, if it gets a bit tricky because I had heard some bad stories about people getting, 
into trouble with the visas. Some totally fine and they're getting let off and then others getting into a bit of shit. So I I text, um, I'm like quickly trying to text them while I'm in the police car and I just say, I just quickly copied and pasted the number from Google. Like it just says Spanish Madrid Embassy and the number. And then I go to, I send that and then I go to um, quickly fill them in on what's going on and my phone dies. So for mum and dad, I've just like messaged them probably in the middle of the night, like embassy for Spain, like and just no follow up. No. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so then I'm like, oh, fuck, that was that was a good one, wasn't it? Like <laughs> we get to the, the police. It was. It's actually a pretty cool experience, and I was like, get to the, get to the, yeah this this uh, police headquarters, and they yeah they put me in this room, and I was just waiting like I was there for hours and hours and hours, and they're like, we're calling Madrid, and we're gonna like the head office, and we're gonna figure out um, what what to do with you, yeah, and I just remember then finally they're like they're like. I come in and the the like the big I don't know sergeant constable whatever you call it like the big. Can you chief. speak any English? No, none of them. Like so bad. Like the yeah. that they end up getting a translator on the phone. The uh, the the lady, this big police constable lady, just was like such an incredible character. She looked like um like a dead ringer, like a Spanish version of um, Miss Trunchable off Matilda. You know that song? Like just uh, you, I don't know, just this like this older lady, like big black frizzy hair. Like you can just yeah, I feel like you okay, just tell yeah. she's seen some shit. Like yeah. she's boss lady. Like yeah, you know, like don't she, fuck she, with her. She eats little Australians like me for breakfast. Like. <laughs> <laughs> She was, yeah, she was nice enough, but very like, straight down the line. It just kept, it was just so, the language barrier was fucked. Like, because no no one, there wasn't many, I don't, I didn't see any international travellers there. Like, this was a part of Spain where there was not really, you know, so they're not really, understandably, not really having to speak English. They end up getting this school teacher, I'm guessing it was like a friend of a friend of theirs, who teaches English on the phone. And she was lovely. And I just like, yeah, I just tell her everything I can. And I'm just like, hey, like, I've got my flight in a fortnight. To home back to Australia. Oh, sorry, no, to um, to Croatia, which is a different visa. And I'm like, I just need to get to then, and I need to like, I'm, you know, I'm, I was, I was really stressed about the boat. Actually, I was like, this is gonna be so fucked. But I had no one in near there that could help move the boat, and it just dragged on for so long. And and it and finishes with them just like them just basically stamping, like putting this big red and black stamp in my passport, saying like, it just basically said you've illegally overstayed your visa, and you've got 48 hours to exit the schengen area or you'll be like imprisoned or you know and all this or deported or whatever and i was just like i just couldn't believe it after like all hours, that yeah that was the conclusion just- i was fucked and it wasn't enough we were way too far away to um to get my boat to the next spot in 48 hours plus they were just uh, yeah anyway so yeah they're, they're like the only thing you can do is you can go back in the morning you can catch a bus to this next uh town and there's like the local government there and you can like plead your case to try and get a visa extension and i'm like you sure you can't do anything for me like surely and they're like no no like so much like this, this is out of our hands blah 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 and yeah, i'm just I'm like, like you're like how's it out of your hands you just put the stamp in there you didn't yeah. have to put the stamp in there yeah <laughs> you know what i mean they're totally. like, nah, it. yeah and and i just i was so off these guys but when when the, the one of the police so one of the policemen then is dropping me back to the boat and he's changed his he's taken his uniform off he's got normal clothes and for whatever reason, I was just like, I thought I'll just still try and be nice to him and that can't hurt, even though I didn't think I was going to see them again. And so I remember saying to him in my broken Spanish, like, oh, you're, like, you're going back to your house now, you can have lunch. And he was, I was just trying to be really nice to him without sucking up, just being friendly anyway. And he's like, oh, yeah. And like, had a little bit of a basic chat. I go home, I stay up all night, like drafting this letter. I like shave, get my one collared shirt ready to go to this <laughs> thing the next day. And as I'm in the marina calling a taxi to go, that police officer walks in. 
and he's like very stern, like macho as usual, like come over here and then gets the lady at the marina to, to translate. And he's like, okay, like you have, um, you have two weeks, two week extension. Okay. And he like hands me this bit of paper and he's like, he's like, whatever, fuck, I've forgotten what two weeks is in Spanish. I was trying to make the, uh, make dos, it authentic. Dos, um, <laughs> dos. Um, just, wow, yeah. fuck. <laughs> and he just kept yeah yeah and he's like pointing his finger at me and he just kept repeating it like two weeks two weeks yeah and i'm just like stunned and i've got this bit of paper that's like the extension for like exactly what i need but it was just like so, like it has the bureaucracy like that whole ex- exercise like exercise was yeah. pointless i wonder if that like human interaction like just on a basis level is what like that's what i've often it. wondered and why i mentioned it i don't know for sure like but i feel like well, surely if I'd been a dick, they wouldn't have, there's no way they would have given me the extension, right? Mm. And I would have probably gone to the government building, wouldn't have been able to get the extension and then ended up in a bit of trouble. Yeah. But yeah. That was a, like that feeling of getting this bit of paper and just knowing like, yes, like let's just enjoy ourselves for the next two weeks, take our time getting to where we get the, the boat uh, taken care of. And, so, where, yeah. where, where's the boat now? It's in um, Coruña. So, it's like right on the corner, not far from the border of um, Portugal and Spain. Yeah, right. So is it in the water or on the heart? It was um it was for the first while. Yeah, Julius, my mate who I mentioned at the start, absolute legend, went back um not long ago and just had it hauled out onto the heart and worked on it for like four days straight. So it's sitting there in, in good shape, ready to um be taken for its next adventure. I want well, to do a big loop of the Mediterranean and go to Morocco and um So you Tunisia still plan stuff. to Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I feel like so so then what happened after that? I, I mentioned I went and um had uh I was very lucky to have this incredible experience sailing with yacht masters um you know all around the world and learned so much got so much gained so much confidence yeah basically i i haven't been back to my boat since so i feel like i'm gonna be able to go back and just enjoy it so much more because i actually know what i'm doing it's like yeah it's like now with the experience that you have you're going into like just a full let go trip absolutely before it's like that whole anxious and sail more like don't you know we only sailed maybe 60 70 percent of the time like now i feel like i'm way more like so comfortable sending in Mm. in uh rougher conditions and yeah that's kind of like yeah man this is just so kind of off topic, but, but relating like this trip that I was planning, I was telling you about, about these yeah, islands yeah. going out to, and I was saying last night, like I thought it was going to be this full survival trip, yeah. which I was excited for and like happy for or whatever. Yeah. But then when I found out there was, there's like this hut that has some solar yeah. Um, it has a water tank and has all this, yeah. like it has a, you know, has a few things. I was like, well, my basic needs are suddenly met. There's a fire pit there with a grill on it. It's like, yeah. oh, all I got to do is take rice and catch some fish. Yeah. And I was like, it was suddenly like this thing of like, oh, I'm going for this like huge like challenge and oh, yeah. I can get through it to like, oh, I can just go fucking have fun and just send it. <laughs> you know so what is, I mean? is that where your head's at now? Yeah. Sick. Cause yeah, I, just go have heaps of fun. Ever since, yeah, we were sitting around the fire last night um, talking and we, yeah, we got onto this. This you're talking about getting to this remote group of islands off Queensland, the Percy Islands, and ever since you've like brought it up, I'm just like obsessed with the idea as well. I've been doing a few, I've done a few little adventures in the meantime. Like, did I've been like sailing offshore? Like, I sailed from Harvey Bay to Fraser Island, like windsurfing. Like, that was a bit of a um Sick. an adventure in it, like in itself. And but yeah, just small trips. But just like I'm just so keen to go sailing. Like I haven't, I've done barely any sailing like since COVID. And, uh, and, and anyway, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, yeah, we're sitting around the fire last night and we realized we're like, oh, you could, you know, instead of hitchhiking on a boat, like a big boat, you could um, potentially sail like a little trailer sailor or a Hobie cat from Yapoon up to the the Percy group. And I was looking at the, yeah, the, the distance. Wait, the distances are so doable. I was checking yeah. it. If you just do it on a good forecast, yeah, you could just do a bad, like a sick trip with this like cheap old boat and like, 
Yeah. Yeah, I reckon that's what I reckon. Like, it's going to be pretty bouncy and shit. But go on, like, from the go out to the campers, camp around that, yeah. and then go. And so, then you've got, like, a boat to go out to some reefs and dive off. Yeah, fully. It's, um, I'm, I, I was so struggled to work today. I was doing uh, editing for the boys, and, um, all I could think about was just doing this adventure. I was How so much were some of those boats? Um, that you saw? like, you could get these old trailer sailors that were like, wouldn't need much to get them going for like 900 bucks or something. <sighs> And then, but there's, there was this <laughs> so one sick trimaran in really good shape that came with like four sails. It was only a really small trimaran, like maybe 16 feet or something. Oh, I got to show you a photo. But how much? Like 10 grand, I think it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's right up there. Yeah. That, that's something like 16 foot. Yeah. It's that's a something sailor. you could do. But you could, you this, could go heaps of places. Well, with. that's what I'm th- like. I'm yeah. thinking, I mean, like, you could just buy it and then almost sell it. But it's no, like, you could go, you could go Sundays after. Yeah. You could go the whole no. way up Queensland or something like that. Yeah, fully. So, but That's yeah, even the, the Hobie Cat would be. Um, to be honest, honestly. anything. Yeah. And so I love the idea of um, I've always wanted to do like a survival trip and I've never done it. And that's, I've been, I've really found it interesting listening to your experiences doing that. So I guess even if, if you went there, you could still set yourself a challenge where you, you go off to one of the little islands nearby and give yourself however many days where. You know, you've got to survive you've got to as well, it. right? Yeah. It'd be sick. Yeah, yeah. You can do that anyway. And you can do it on the Keppels on the way. You can do it on any island. Yeah. But just having that, having something like a boat that can transport water, you won't have much water. Yeah. You won't be able to transport much water, but having like some dry goods you can transport. Yeah. You, you know, and yeah, just getting your, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. It's so doable though. It's, it's, I was like pouring over the map and the charts today and it's so doable. You know what I love about those ideas and just about adventure ideas? It's just like, just coming up with things that just like, yeah, are just fun Yeah, and just adventures, you know? And like, that's to me, like, that's just oh, an idea. It's just like, oh. oh, people don't normally do that. So that's exactly. And that'd be fun to do. Yeah. It'd be scary. Like it kind of gives me the bubbles, like doing a big passage. Yeah. And a little boat, and it's not like it's like I don't know, like if I was on a forty six, like a big twenty four hour passage or something. It's not a big passage to me anymore. A big passage to me is like ten or twelve days or fourteen days, yeah, crossing an ocean, kind of thing. But it's like, yeah, on a small little boat, that's a big passage because you're feeling every little bump. I know. Be sick though. Wait, dude, let's go have dinner. We're um Yeah. I reckon we go up to Nat's place up the road and take that curry that you guys made. Take a little Jojo. Yeah, take a little a little baby kangaroo. <laughs> so uh, thanks for um inspiring me. Thanks for um inspiring our listeners and No, I feel like just... that's my to be honest, my trip isn't nearly as wild as um as what what you usually hear. So I hope it was somewhat interesting all the same. The, the thing is it's it, what it is, it's 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 someone going out and like going following their dreams. You know, it's someone's starting from scratch and just making it happen. Yeah. But not just that. It's like, look at where it took you. You yeah. know what I mean? And and it's, so it's like that and like what it was able to do for your life, for you growing, yeah. for you experiencing, for you where you ended up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and all it started was you actually going into that initial fear of like commitment, yeah. of just going, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. Fuck it, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know and what it I mean? Is, it's like it's easy to forget how scary and anxious it is at the time. But yeah, you just have to um, try and push through it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, when I bought, I've said that I, I said this story on that podcast. But when I bought my the yacht, when it actually came down to it, yeah. and I was like, "Holy fuck!" There was no way I was I was going to say no to this. Yeah. And the only thing I had to do 
was then tell my girlfriend. And I was like, it was so funny how I was like, yeah, I'm going to work out tonight. I'm going to fucking do it, blah, blah. And that, the, it was that excitement. Like, it just got around everyone and it got back to her before I got to tell her. Oh, no. And yeah, but you oh, know what? Girl. And I, the only reason why I'm saying this is that if someone's sitting there and just like, oh, you know what? When it comes to love or whatever, if they love, they're going to support you. If it is. If it isn't. It isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if I you're, so. if, I don't know, I'm just kind of saying this, like, don't be, like, don't let something hold you back. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to go live your life, live your just own. Just go fucking story. live it. Yeah. I don't know if that's good advice. Break up with your girlfriend. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Can't, Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> I just got so, yeah, yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> I can hear the Rio coming through. Yeah, 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 no, I can, I can he- yeah, I can hear, like, some dude sitting in the car with his girlfriend right now just like hating me <laughs> <laughs> oh cheers dude thanks so much for um yeah for uh, chat. thanks for coming on man and um uh, yeah let's go have a good night you I hope you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, put it on your social media story, tell your mum. Send me a message, send me a screenshot, or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway, or I'm going to see it on social media. And every week I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an O-Penal Knife or a Diaries of the Wild Ones t-shirt. Enjoy, guys, and thanks for listening. Jari apa, jari cinta, jari apa, jari cewek Bertualangan baru di sini Jari apa, jari Yeah, I do it like a double.